This episode is brought to you by AT&T. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14 Pro. So, people currently listening to comedy podcasts who can't wait for their podcast to end so they can tell that guy in front of them on the bus about it, even if he is the driver. And people listening to political podcasts, saving juicy political quotes to throw down at Thanksgiving dinner with their relatives. And people listening to true crime podcasts who desperately want to talk about true crime podcasts at work, but they're not sure if anyone else is into that and they don't want to seem weird to their office crush. And they already got odd looks that time they looked up that crazy case on their work computer. The point is everyone, new and existing customers. Ask how to get up to $800 off the new iPhone 14 Pro with the incredible camera with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or our stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. There she be. And that side's going, which is good. And a big thank you to everybody who has lately supported us. We are just 808 people away from 20,000 on YouTube. So thank you so much to all of our listeners and, and new subscribers. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. Hi, 405er. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, and a comment after the show if you don't mind. It really helps with our algorithms in growing this channel, so we really do appreciate it. Hi, Michael Fontaine. Uriel Perez, how are you, my friend? And uh, yeah, if you haven't recently, I know some of you have. There is swag at our Spaced Out Radio website at spacedoutradio.com. We got great t-shirts and other gear for you. So go get yourself into our stuff. And don't forget to take that picture for me so we can put it on our website. We would appreciate it. Good morning, Dirt Road. Why do I keep saying good morning? God damn it, it's evening time. Good evening, Dirt Road. Good evening. Dim to dim. How are you? Nice to see you. We got 15 seconds here. Thurston Howell the third. Hope Lovey's doing nice. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on in. Bill WD40 looking beautiful over in the Spreaker chat room. Good evening, Bill. Three seconds, people. Let's get the horns up. Super chat is open. Let's rock. Aye, aye, of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old Davy the favor hit that subscribe button you can follow us on twitter at spaced out radio instagram at spaced out radio show and on tiktok at spaced out radio our website spaced out radio.com we have a plethora of features for you including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Pills, Newswire, checking out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. we got a fantastic show of all things paranormal tonight. 
Author Mike Ricksecker is here to talk about all sorts of spookiness from around the world. And, of course, in Hour 3, Swamp Dweller's going to be here for another spooky story. Tim Senor brings in the UFO report. Shirky Poo has the news. Let's get right to it. Busy, busy, busy show tonight as author Mike Ricksecker, who's a best-selling author on Amazon for some of his books like A Walk in the Shadows, A Complete Guide to Shadow People, Eight Historic Paranormal Books, and The Esoteric Tome, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle. He's been all over television. Why? Because when you see the hair of this guy, there is never a strand that goes uncombed yeah mike also produces his own internet supernatural based shows on haunted road media youtube channel and is the producer director of the docuseries the shadow dimension which is available on several streaming platforms this man's been doing this for almost 20 years and i will tell you he is literally one of the best and the most hardest worker that I know of in the paranormal realm. He's everywhere. He deserves the fame and fortune that he is making, you know, because when you put in the effort, you deserve good things happening to you. And that's our man, Mike Ricksecker. How you doing, Mike? It's always a pleasure to have you on Spaced Out Radio, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me back, Dave. And, you know, I, I really appreciate the uh, the compliment about the hair. <laughs> I have to laugh. I have to laugh because it's one of those things when I was – a kid, 11, 12 years old, I was actually teased relentlessly for my hair. So I appreciate it, my friend. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we mean it all in sweet compliment. You know that. Oh, I know. I know. It's all it's it's all good. <laughs> so I just got to laugh, though. Well, as someone who just chopped about nine inches off my own hair and, mm. you know, and I'm back to, uh, you know, the shortness of life here on top of my head, you know, <sighs> I'm still getting How's used it to it. How does it feel to lose that much hair? That's a lot. Um, relieving. I can wear a ball cap again. Yeah. I, I haven't nice. been able to wear a ball cap in a couple of years because my hair was so thick that if I put a hat on, it would just raise on up and eventually fall off. So oh, now, wow. now okay. that I have the ability to actually wear a ball cap again, I'm pretty happy about that. Pretty happy about it. Mike, you Which were... is why you're wearing one tonight. Exactly. This is actually, believe it or not, the hat I will be buried in. I stole this hat. Oh, really? This is an old Labatt's Blue beer hat. And my dad got this when he was, you know, back in his younger days when he was very highly involved in sports in our town. And yeah, oh. and um, one of the liquor reps gave him this hat. And I just fell in love with it. So I stole it from my dad. And this <laughs> this hat has been lost more times than found. Uh, and it has uh, been in lakes and oceans and rivers all over uh, the West Coast here. And it is beat up. It's, the original color is a navy blue. It's faded. Oh, wow. It's faded yeah. so much. <laughs> it's held together with uh, electrical tape in the back. But it's my favorite hat that I own. Yeah, and, you got to hang out to those favorites. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I will be, you know, the day, the day I go into the crematorium, I will be wearing this hat. It's nice. not going anywhere without me. You know, so I keep it. No, that's fantastic. I, I don't wear it often now because it is thinning and it is, it is falling apart. But sometimes it just feels good to put the old lid on. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I appreciate you wearing that tonight during this particular show. Oh, no worries. No worries. Yeah. Mike, 
I, I, I'm serious when I say I think you're one of the hardest workers in the paranormal. Uh, you are everywhere. If you're not writing books, you're on uh, television series. And if you're not on television series, you're doing documentaries. And if you're not doing documentaries, you're doing radio hits and, and hits for uh, television uh, channels like Gaia and, and other uh, series and shows out there. I mean, how have you become one of the of those premier faces and voices of the paranormal? Um, it's just consistency really, you know, um, and, and honestly, Dave, I think that I I'm still, you know, working at my craft, you know, I just, there's, um, a lot of goals that I still want to meet a lot of research that I'm still undertaking, um, a lot of secrets that I'm still trying to uncover. So I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm still not to where I'm trying to go, but I'm, I'm, I'm along the journey somewhere. And it's just one of those things where, you know, every single day I get up and I just keep doing. And you know, I think that's, I think that's really what it, it, it takes. You know, there are some people that, um, you know, they, they catch a break. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were in the right place at the right time. And, you know, maybe they've only been involved for a couple of years and then boom, all of a sudden they have their own television show or whatever. And that's great. That's fantastic. I'm happy for them. Uh, but for a lot of people, it is years and years and years of, of consistent work. And I've seen a lot of people come and go over the years that, you know, they were in it for a little while and they, they got burned out. And I can completely understand from that. There's uh, plenty of times where I have felt burned out because, and people will ask me, how do you get so much done during the day? And my, my answer is I don't sleep much, which is very true. You know, I'll get a limited amount of sleep, which, you know, is not the healthiest thing in the world. Um, but it's, you know, there are goals that I'm trying to make and trying to get to. And, um, ultimately it comes down to, um, you know, I, either one helping people, uh, realize that they're not alone in all of this, that, you know, we've, we've all had these different types of experiences and, um, you know, whether it's me or other people that I've talked to and I can relate the story, and to passing on knowledge. Um, there's a, a lot of these, um, whether it's lost history or, you know, esoteric knowledge that's kind of being uncovered now that uh, we need to pass on to the next generation. Now, it's up to the next generation to pick up the mantle and keep going forward with it. Uh, but I believe that uh, one of the things that we should be doing here is the knowledge that we acquire pass it on to the next generation because humanity has its propensities for these recurring cycles of making the same mistakes over and over and over again. So let's try to prevent that from happening and help the next generations in the future. Mike, how do you do that when the paranormal field, much like the UFO world and the cryptid world, have a real, real reputation of being selfish when it comes to evidence, when it comes to knowledge, whether it comes to maybe potentially getting close to solving some of these mysteries? I mean, we all want answers, especially in the paranormal. We, I mean, for me, if you're not looking after, you know, the answers of what happens after we die, why are you doing this? Like, I, that's just my own selfish mode of questioning there, you know, but how do we accomplish that, you know, sharing of evidence and sharing of, of knowledge when, you know, there's a lot of ego that goes into this field because very few make it, but many want to, to have those positions. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate too, uh, because there's a lot of 
a lot of times where we're sitting down at an event, maybe we're, you know, having a drink after, you know, the, the speaking engagements are over and we're just hanging out. And then all of a sudden it becomes like this mini think tank. And all of a sudden, you know, these different ideas are flowing back and forth and that sparks some wonderful ideas, but you do see uh, plenty of people that are holding on to, maybe they have a fantastic piece of paranormal evidence or what have you uh, that they're, they're holding on to. They don't want to show the world because, and, and I've heard people say this, they're, they're waiting for, you know, some sort of television producer to come along and then they will present uh, this piece of evidence uh, for them. And it, they're really not understanding the way that that particular industry works. Um, that, that's, they're not looking for, oh, this person grabbed this, you know, this, this specific piece of evidence. And so, boom, you know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna grab you now. It's, um, more of, you know, they'll, they'll troll YouTube. So, you know, they're looking for, you know, how do you present on camera or do you have a cool story to tell? You know, it really comes down to the storytelling and, oh, by the way, do you have a a piece of evidence that goes along with that story? It's the evidence part that comes up, that comes along later rather than at the forefront, but people will hold on to that piece of evidence thinking that's going to get them the stardom. And, in a lot of cases, it's almost like an afterthought with these different television shows. So it's like, just go ahead and and put it out there for the world. Because what will happen is, as you know, if you put it up on YouTube or wherever it is, um, as you are telling the story, that's what's going to get noticed. No, and I agree with you. I mean, we need to tell more stories. But have you ever had in your hands smoking gun evidence of something so rich that you're just like, man, I don't know if I really want to release this. This is too good for the public. I mean, I've always presented everything. <laughs> you can go back. Um, you can go back through the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel. And, you know, when we came across, you know, here's a blatant shadow person walking across the gym. You know, boom, that went up. Um, you know, uh, fantastic, you know, ball of light at Black Bear Church or uh, the white wisp that we caught at the Stone Lion Inn. Boom, boom. That stuff went right up. Um, I never really held on to anything because I was just excited to to show it and share it with the world. And, you know, here's here's something that's really interesting. What do you think? And, you know, it gets the, it gets the conversation going. It gets the dialogue going. And, you know, it's, you know, what I initially think of, a piece of evidence, or maybe it's a personal experience that happened at a particular location. Um, while I might have an initial idea of what I think that is, it could take a conversation later on with, you know, a few of us kind of going back and forth. What do you think? Well, I have this idea here, or, you know, there's, um, you know, this uh, scientific theory here that might adhere to that. And, you know, somewhere down the road, you might actually rethink your position on it and come up with a much better conclusion as to what happened. But that doesn't happen until you get actually talking with people. Yeah, and the stories are out there. It's a matter of what does the public want because here's the thing. I like those stories, Mike, that come from small town. That's what interests mm-hmm. me. I'm not interested in Brushy Creek. I'm not interested in the insane asylums or Gettysburg or, or anything like that. As somebody who has a real you know, interest in this field, uh, there's one thing that I panic over, and that is death. I hate it. Scares the daylights out of me, even though I know I'm on the downside of the slope. 
in life, you know, at 49 going on 50 here next year. You know, and I hate to say it that way, but it's the truth. You know, so there's a couple things that I miss about the paranormal. Number one, there are very few people here who are actually searching for answers. We seem to be seeking a lot of evidence without searching for answers. And number two, I don't think we're expanding our areas enough to get some of those beautiful stories from a lot of these small towns that are maybe dying off or, you know, uh, don't really want a lot of public hearings, but they have some strange things going on. And those are all around here in North America, let alone the world. But let's focus on North America. I want those stories, man, because those are usually the best ones that nobody has ever heard of. It's fresh. It's new. It's exciting. What's your thoughts on both of those? Yeah, um, you know, you make a great point that, um, you know, a lot of times people are more concerned with showing the evidence, getting a bunch of views on YouTube, um, that sort of thing. If if they're actually going to go ahead and and show the evidence, Uh, because like you mentioned before, a lot of people hold on to it. Um, but a lot of times, yeah, people are just looking for views and that sort of thing, rather than actually try to, uh, you know, deduce what exactly is going on here. Uh, and so, and that's where a lot of my research, uh, is focused, you know, into actually getting down to, okay, what happened in this particular incident? Um, but when it comes to small towns, uh, yeah, I mean, I love small towns. <laughs> I kind of prefer living in small towns. Um, you know, I, I I don't like being right in the downtown of the city, and you know, it's it's a lot of hustle and bustle, and um, you know, pollution and things like that. So I I, I prefer the the fresh air and the little bit of a um, you know quieter lifestyle. But uh, you get a lot of interesting stories out there too. Uh, you know, you have those. Um, those legends within the town, the, uh, you know, the, the urban tales and, you know, you have a lot of, you know, old historic homes in small towns that, you know, cities will just bulldoze them, knock them down. Cause they got to put up some big skyscraper or something, but the small towns hang on to those older homes and, you know, the old inn or the old cafe or something like that, you know, which has a lot of rich history associated with it. It's, you know, been there for 150 years and, you know, maybe somebody like, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln or Babe Ruth caught a cup of coffee there one time. So that's, you know, the, the cool little piece of history that goes along with it. But then it has all the ghost tales as well. And that's living history right there. Um, you know, and those people's tales uh, have been, in a lot of cases, lost to time. I think it's another thing that as a paranormal investigator that we do is that, we help to bring those lives to light and those people whose voices have been lost to time now have their voices uh, reanimated for, for the modern masses. And I think you put it absolutely beautiful. These urban myths and these urban stories really need to start projecting themselves. And we have to do a better job of getting out there and telling those tales rather than just focusing on whatever on. But, I mean, you also brought up a good point there, Mike, about clicks. It's all about clicks. It's all about subscriptions and subscribers and back channels and and social media following and TikTok. I mean, have we literally forgotten in the paranormal what we're all about because we are more attracted to clicks and and subscriptions and subscribers than anything else right now? 
Well, I mean, I'm not going to make a blanket statement that, you know, if that's what everybody's doing. But you do see a lot of it happening where um, a lot of people are, you know, interested in, in jump scares. Make a video where, you know, we're, um, you know, we're down a spooky hallway and then all of a sudden, you know, we see something down the hallway and we're going to, you know, scream and run. And, you know, something like that will get a bunch of, of clicks, um, you know, which is unfortunate. And, um, you know, I mean, I've. I think we're kind of all guilty of it to to some degree because you know we're trying to build something. So you know I have a you know my Haunted Road Media YouTube channel has you know twenty thousand subscribers to it, and you know I was trying to you know really work on that for a long time. Um, you know my TikTok is um, I shared a bunch of ghost stories out there, and that kind of blew up. And so and you kind of unfortunately almost get a um a little addicted to you know watching the numbers grow it's like oh what can i do to make it grow what can i do to make it bigger and you start to forget what it is you were originally doing in the first Mm -hmm. place yeah and and that i think that happens to all of us to some degree and it's a matter of okay you know, taking a step back okay what is what is the purpose of why we're doing this let's go back to that because that's what people latched on to This episode is brought to you by AT&T. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14 Pro. So, people currently listening to comedy podcasts who can't wait for their podcast to end so they can tell that guy in front of them on the bus about it, even if he is the driver. And people listening to political podcasts, saving juicy political quotes to throw down at Thanksgiving dinner with their relatives. And people listening to true crime podcasts who desperately want to talk about true crime podcasts at work, but they're not sure if anyone else is into that and they don't want to seem weird to their office crush. And they already got odd looks that time they looked up that crazy case on their work computer. The point is everyone, new and existing customers. Ask how to get up to $800 off the new iPhone 14 Pro with the incredible camera with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or our stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. To begin with. Oh, I I very much uh, agree. By the way, Christina Gomez is a good friend of yours and mine. Wants to give a shout out to you saying, hi, Mike. Hi, Christina. We'll we'll do that for her because she's amazing at what she does as well. Yes, she is. She very much is. She's got a a long future ahead in her uh, paranormal Mm -hmm. career, supernatural career. That is absolutely for sure. Mike, you know, when we talk about growing, you know, the paranormal, and you're somebody who's seen all facets. You've seen the television side. You've seen the book side. you've, you've, You've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into your own career here as we got about four minutes to go here uh you know i i'm curious why do you do it why have you you've sacrificed years you've sacrificed money you've sacrificed a lot of different things in order to fulfill your dream of living your life the way you want and that is living a paranormal life a lot of people wouldn't make that that type of commitment not only to themselves but to to their career as well why have you done this and why has it worked for you 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a passion. Uh, you know, there's parts of this that, you know, like the writing part of it. I've, I've been writing since I was seven years old. It's in my blood. It's something I've, it's something I've always done. I, I, I wouldn't know what to do if I couldn't write. Uh, so that that's always been with me. Uh, as far as uh, you know, exploring the paranormal. I mean, I had you know experiences dating all the way back to when I was eight years old. You know, I've always wanted answers for that. And you know, now as an adult, as I've been doing more research, uh, meeting more people, I, I've been getting some answers. Uh, to, to those questions. And as I, uh, as I get answers, I want to be able to share those with the world because I might be able to help somebody else with whatever they're going through, or whatever they've experienced. And, um, and, and then on the, um, you know, historic esoteric research side, I think there's a lot of lost knowledge here that the ancients had that could really be helpful and beneficial to our society today, if we could find that and re-explore it and tap into it and figure out what exactly it was that that they had, that they were able to do, that could, you know, you, you look at, you know, some of these ancient buildings that were, but that we don't have the technology to do today. You know, was that some sort of sound technology? Did they have some sort of anti-gravity technology? What was it? And, and those are those are mysteries. And, and part of what drives me is in discovering the mysteries. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's in my blood, Dave. Well, the other thing about you too, is you are also one of the very rare few that is multifaceted. Okay. You're not just worried about ghosts or shadow people. You're going after the UFOs. You're going after the alien contactees. Uh, you're going after Sasquatch. You're going after Dogman. You kind of have, have, you know, you're one of the very few, and I could think of maybe a couple others, David Weatherly being one of them, John Tenney being yeah. another one, you know, who just look at this entire phenomena, Timothy Renner, Joshua Cutchin, to name another couple, who, who just embrace it all, understanding that the phenomena may be all one, and we have to look for that connection. With 90 seconds to go, why have you focused on everything rather than just specifics yeah it's all connected um you know i have my have my online learning site that's called the connected universe portal uh for a reason because everything within the universe is connected you know from from me to you uh us to the planet our planet to the solar system the universe everything uh you know whether it's on the physical plane whether it's on other dimensions uh on the quantum level Everything is connected. And so we have to look not only just at at ghosts. You know, I think that's kind of the tip of the iceberg into a lot of this other phenomenon. But we have to look at ETs. We have to look at, um, you know, angels and interdimensional beings. Because in a lot of cases, they could be using the same energetic modality to be able to enter into our plane of existence here. So we have to look at all these different things. We really do. And and you know what? It's one of those things, man, where you keep expanding, you keep learning, and you keep on growing. And that's what we see with our great friend, Mike Ricksecker. You can find all of his books at hauntedroadmedia.com, I believe is the website, Mike. Did I get that right? Haunted Road Media. Well, you could go there, uh, MikeRicksecker.com, for all of my books. 
Okay, okay, perfect. Perfect. And they're on Amazon as well. You might recognize him from the Alaskan Triangle television show. And you know what? He's one of the good guys in this field that you can really trust that their hard work is going to go try and find some very paranormal answers. Mike Ricksecker continues. We're going to get into shadow people and ghost stories when we return here at the bottom of the hour on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. Let's get spooky. All right, we are clear. So uh, you haven't been on since we've been on YouTube um, doing this camera thing. Uh, so mm-hmm. just so you know, our audience uh, can hear us on podcast and on uh, YouTube. They cannot hear us on the radio side. Okay, fantastic. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Paramarv said he saw your presentation at Michigan Paragon. Oh, well, thank you very much. I see that down there. Uh yeah, yeah, I did the uh, Shadow Person presentation there. Thank you very much. Do you still love the conferences? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the conferences is like a whole big family getting together. Yeah, I, I love the conferences. So I have the uh, the Warrens Paracon coming up here in about a week and a half. I have only ever done one paranormal, con- or two, two paranormal conferences. Uh, one on the East Coast. That's where I got really screwed over by the organizer. And that was in 20, oh. 2017. Okay. And, and um, I'm not going to mention his name because uh, I, 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 there, there's not a lot of people that disgust me in this field, and this person does. Mm, um, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And um, there, then I, I did one in Washington State. But otherwise, I mm-hmm. it's funny. Every conference I've gone to has been UFO. I've never done a cryptid con- conference. I've never done a uh, a par- outside of those two a paranormal conference. It's weird. Okay, yeah, I've done a, you know far more of the uh, the paranormal conferences than the other ones. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I enjoy doing them. And, and when you do some of the other ones, when you kind of you know, cross over and you get to meet a whole other set of, of people, which is wonderful. So yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the amount, the amount of people you meet, uh, is pretty cool. And one of the, one of the biggest thrills I have with going to them is you get to meet listeners that you, you know, you've never seen in your chat room or you've never, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd ever met before, but you see him there every night, you know, it's kind of cool to shake hands. We did a earlier this year, we did our first annual uh, fan party for our show in Vegas. And we held it at the golden nugget. We had like 60 people show up uh, listeners and, uh, and some special guests alike. And it was, it was amazing, you know, to meet some of the faces that you see Mm -hmm. in the chat room each and every night, and uh, all of a sudden you get to shake their hands and say thank you and, and hang out with them and buy them a beer and all this kind of stuff. It, it was right. really cool. <laughs> we're, we're doing it again next year. Oh, good, good. Yeah, stuff like that is, is amazing. And even um, you know, just you know, with social media, there's, sometimes there's somebody I've been friends with on Facebook or whatever for like 10 years, and all of a sudden at one of these conferences, you finally get a chance to meet them, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, yeah, I had I had that happen in Vegas where uh, I, I I call him a buddy of mine. He's a former Army Ranger. Him and I have known each other for like seven years, 
And I met him through a friend of mine who lives in Vegas, but him and uh, mm-hmm. my friend Jeray and I had never met. And all of a sudden, you know, the wow. Vegas party comes up and he's like, hey, man, do you mind if I bring my buddy? Well, he brings his buddy and find out his buddy. Uh, you know, him and I had a lot to talk about, which was nice. very, very interesting. And it led me to uh, meeting a person who, uh, not this guy, but another person who uh, spent 12 years working at Area 51. I mean, oh, wow. So, okay. I mean, it's just amazing how this just kind of. Uh, uh, comes comes through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that it, it's funny how small the world really is. Oh yeah, oh yeah. By the way, if you're free, if you're free on uh, May 19th to 21st, 2023, and if you if you got nothing planned, just come join us in Vegas for the party. We'd love to have you. <laughs> I believe that is the weekend of Parasicon Four. I know so they're they're every weekend yeah. now. They're every weekend now. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I'm I'm already booked to to speak at that one. I'm pretty sure that's the same weekend. Yeah, I think there's a UFO conference in in Arizona. But when isn't there a UFO conference in Arizona? Right. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, where are we here? We got about uh, forty seconds here before we're going to come back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, see here. Yeah, I'm looking at some of your comments down here in the chat. Yeah, nice crowd in here tonight. Oh yeah, there it'll it'll grow even more here uh, once we once we turn the air. Once Jimmy gets off the air, then we get another boost at ten o'clock. <laughs> Hi, scowling Greg O'Brien, and uh, thank you to Christina and Marv for the super chats. It's a wonderful way to help us out on a nightly basis. And of course, everybody who's giving us a thumbs up, thumbs down, we appreciate it. Uh, right here we go. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Author, best-selling on Amazon, paranormal investigator, investigator of all things strange and weird, Mike Ricksecker is here. His website, MikeRicksecker.com, and he has a ton of books on his resume here if you go to his website that you can add to your library we would highly suggest it including his alaska's mysterious triangle which we will get into a little bit later on in the show he's one of the best when it comes to paranormal investigation you may recognize him from television as well and mike thank you so much for joining us tonight very much appreciate you yeah absolutely uh once again dave thanks for having me back it and i noticed down in the chat there red Sox jenna uh say hello there so i just have to do this real quick i put it on my best uh ewan mcgregor from uh star wars hello there there we go 
Well, Red Sox Jenna and I are ready to <laughs> drop the gloves here, okay? Because, uh, you know, I'm a Yankee fan. I'm a Yankee fan. Oh. Yeah. So the See, fact, I'm a Red Sox fan. Yeah. Uh, is is that where it ends right now, Dave? This, We're just done here? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> What do you do here? And, 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 hey, I live in the Cleveland, Ohio area, so I also have to go for the Guardians here. I know. I know. You know, and, and <laughs> the fact that I'm Canadian, I'm supposed to go for the Blue Jays as well. But right. oh, that hurts. So you're closer to Seattle, aren't you? Yeah. Seattle yeah. would be our home team, you know, and uh, I've been to uh, Seattle. You know what? I got to say this, man, as much as I'm a hockey guy through and through, if if God gave me the the ability and gave me the wish of saying you could have one day you can either play one NHL game or one Major League Baseball game, I honestly would choose baseball. There, Why is that? There, well, because the only thing I would want to do in hockey is really fight at center ice. You know, <laughs> that, that that that's the truth. You know, but baseball, there's it's everything that hockey is, and hockey has become very mainstream. It's become uh, like soccer on ice. It's not the game that I grew up with, whereas baseball is still timeless. You know, there's no time limit yeah. on a game. You know, every pitch means something. It's the smell of the ballpark, the grass, the the smell of popcorn and onions being cooked. Uh, you know it. It's the feel of a baseball. Uh, looking at that little kid sitting on the sidelines with his hat crooked, that's just hoping and praying that he gets a foul ball. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it's just everything to me that that is good about sports is baseball. Even though the athletes, yeah, it, it takes you back to another era. Yeah, yeah. and even really though, does. like, I'll be honest with you, baseball and basketball players are the. Uh, absolute biggest jerks out there when it comes to media. <laughs> and, and I know this from, from my own, you know, professional career as a sports reporter for a number of years and hockey and football players are just fantastic. You know, they really are, but just, so, so Dave, baseball. I used to play ball. Yeah. So yeah, I had, I had played baseball. So, um, I don't know how how <laughs> we get along. All right. <laughs> well, you know, but you never interviewed me for baseball, so you, that's fine. You know what? Why haven't you Why haven't you written a haunted baseball book yet? You know what's interesting is um, years ago, my friend Lewis and I. This is when I um, I was working in the IT department of a library system in Maryland, and we were putting together a website. It never and never actually took off. We started putting together a website on uh, historic ballparks, like historic ballparks that didn't exist anymore that had been raised and were no longer there. And we were going to the sites where they had actually been. And since we were there in, um, in the Baltimore area, that's where we kind of first went to. And we had an old map from 1870 that showed the old ballparks on, on the map along with all the other buildings. And so we're using this 1870 map and we found the location of where uh, Madison Avenue grounds were in Baltimore, uh, which was fascinating. It's just in a little neighborhood out there, you know, nothing glamorous, but it's like, this was the site of the old ballpark where they played in the 1870s. And what's funny is um, we were, when we were trying to get out of that neighborhood, we got lost. And this is before, you know, you had GPS on your phone and all that stuff. 
And we actually, the only way we got out of there is we used a map from 1870 to find our way out. And we did, which was amazing. So, um, so yeah, but there's something about those ghosts of, of the ballpark that are absolutely fascinating. And, you know, I, I can say this for hockey, one of the biggest paranormal stories that it's rare. I've only ever seen it in one article, but a Canadian team has not won the Stanley cup in 29 years. Has it been that long? It has. The last wow. the last one was the Montreal Canadiens in 1992-93 season. So this would be the 30th season right now. And then the following year they moved out of the out of the fabled Montreal Forum into the Molson Center. And there is believed uh, the people who are very superstitious about hockey in Montreal believe that moving out of the forum actually caused a curse right across Canada Ah. and no Canadian. And it's funny because that curse also coincides with the same year commissioner Gary Bettman took over the league. And he was, he was very staunch American and really didn't give a care about Canadian franchises or the history of the game, you know, and the, especially the Canadian yeah. history of the game. He wanted more Americans. He wanted more Europeans on the ice. He didn't like the Canadian toughness. And if you look hmm. at the game now, it's I, I'm not a fan of it, you know, but my opinion means nothing. But either way, the, a couple of years ago, a paranormal team out of Montreal actually tried to move the ghosts over from the forum, which has now <laughs> been converted into a shopping mall, and tried to move them into the Montreal Canadiens' new home, the uh, the, Montre- uh, the Molson Centre, in order mm-hmm. to try and release this curse. And, you know, Canadian teams have come close. Almost everyone has made the Stanley Cup final since, but none of them have been able to win the Stanley Cup since. And maybe there is a curse. Who knows? Who knows? Um, you know, we had, as a Red Sox fan, we had the curse of the Bambino, uh, you know, for all those years. So, but there is something to be said for, you know, the energy in in those type of, of situations, you know, is – you know, when, when you move from one building to another, you know, there's a different vibe. There's a different energy within that building. And, you know, some of these, you know, newer stadiums, uh, you know, they're, they're the big concrete jungles where you have, you know, the older ones are, I mean, they're more, they're more rustic and you have a lot of that kind of lived in type of flavor and energy that is built up over the years. And so um, it's, but, you know, okay. So we're talking. This is for the men who never settle, the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick, the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera, and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to weather the storm. Engineered for more, new Duracell with Power Boost ingredients delivers power Gulfport can trust for the moments that matter most. Because you never know when you'll need power you can rely on to make the most out of moments that matter. So you can have peace of mind knowing Duracell is engineered for more when you need it most. Duracell, engineered for more. 
versus previous Copper Top Double at AAA. New Duracell delivers more life in some devices or more power in others and a wide range of devices. And, you know, Curse of the Bambino. You know, there was a, a, a negativity, you know, in the Boston area for a long, long time that, oh, yeah, we'll get right there and then we're going to blow it in the end. And that kind of like permeated in the culture for a long, long time. And I believe that when you have a mass amount of people like that, and they've done tests on this sort of thing, uh, when you have a mass amount of people that are projecting a you know, certain emotion or certain thought and what have you, that it will actually manifest. So if you think that, you know, you have you know, millions of people that are thinking their team is going to get right there and then blow it, that is likely what's going to actually happen. And with the Red Sox, it actually took a lunar eclipse the night that they actually won the World Series in 2004. So, you know, that kind of changed the energy right there. I'm still hurting <laughs> over that, losing the four games in a row. Oh yeah, that well, that was that hurt. Yeah, it was the most miraculous comeback. Uh, that was amazing, mm-hmm. and, and that was another thing. It got you know once you got a couple games into that, you could really feel the energy shift. You could feel the momentum shift, and that's really when the fan base started to believe that oh my gosh, we could actually pull this thing off. Yeah, it's a you know what it, when you as a pure sports fan except for soccer, because I don't believe soccer is a sport. Uh, <laughs> I, I I do say this, you know, when things happen like that, when mo- special moments like that happen, you know, winning four in a row, people, most people don't understand how tough that is. Most people don't understand that, you know, superstition and, and, the power of positivity and energy goes a lot into what athletes do, man. I mean, we could do an entire show on on Turk Wendell back in the 80s and 90s when he pitched where he had to brush his teeth in between every inning and chew black licorice and he couldn't touch the third baseline. And, you know, I mean, all of this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, ball players are really superstitious. Yeah, Wade Boggs was always, you know, they called him chicken man because he always had to eat chicken. You know, stuff like that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Enough sports. People are probably going to get sick of that. Let's get into some shadow people here. You are known as one of the uh, uh, top uh, premier investigators when it comes to shadow people and whether they are dimensional beings or whether they are, you know, orbs of dust or whether they're figments of our imagination. uh, Yet we still really don't have a clear picture of what these damn things are. So for for all of your knowledge and time that you've spent into shadow people, are we looking at something demonic here or are we looking at something that is just way out of the ordinary? It depends on the particular shadow that we're looking at. You know, there's no one single answer for, you know, what is a shadow person and to say, this is it. Um, you know, they come in all different shapes and sizes. They come from all different, you know, walks of life. Um, there's really, you could really say there's, you know, different races and species of these sorts of things. Um, you know, some of them are uh, human spirits that can't fully manifest as an apparition. You have some that are extraterrestrials, others that are what we'd call an interdimensional being. Um, others are, uh, they could be thought forms, they could be astral projections, they could be time slips, um, a lot, a lot of different things. So it takes um, research and investigation into uh, shadow activity at a particular location in order to deduce what exactly is this thing. Could they be demonic? Yes, they they could, but 
also take note that that's that's rarely the case. Um, yes, you do have some that are you know nasty and nefarious. Um, you have some of them if it's like a um, you know human spirit. Uh, you know, if somebody was a jerk in life, a lot of times they're a jerk in death too. So you just might have a human spirit that is you know being nasty rather than actually a demon. You know, in all the cases that I've been on uh, and have investigated and have dealt with, been involved with. There's only one in which there was a shadow entity that was deemed a demon. And so it's, they're, they're few and far between. Okay, so do you believe then that shadow people are very nefarious and that doom and gloom comes when they are seen? Well, you know, people tend to fear what they don't understand. So a, a lot of times when we first see these things, if we're on a paranormal investigation for one, I mean, we're kind of expecting to see something. So we may see a shadow entity, um, and it could be a variety of different things. But I think in most cases when people are thinking like the whole doom and gloom, that sort of thing, it's one of those cases where you know they wake up in the middle of the night and they see the thing in their bedroom usually their first inclination is not to go straight toward something paranormal or a shadow person or something like that. In many cases, the first thought is there's an intruder in the house. Somebody's broken in and they're standing right here in my bedroom. And at some point in time, you start to realize that, okay, it's not that um, because, you know, there, there wasn't anybody that ever broke in, you know, it's not a human being, that sort of thing. Um, so, Again, we kind of fear we don't understand. In many cases, they're just standing there watching, staring, not really doing a whole lot. Sure, it's an invasion of our privacy. It's creepy. It's that sort of thing. But you know, most of them are not up to it. Are they're not up to no good? Um, it's you know you have some stories that where they're actually benevolent, where they actually do nice things for people, and you have some sure that are mean, nasty, nefarious. But most of them are somewhere in the middle. They're uh, they're rather benign. Very true. What What is uh, one or two stories of shadow people, Mike, that have really stuck with you over the years? Maybe you can't solve them, or maybe they were just so intriguing that it's easy to come to memory. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot. So um, the, the one that I really like to tell, uh, because it was the moment where uh, – where I really realized that, yes, in fact, some of these are just human spirits. Because I, okay, so I, I say, and I'll, it's right there at the beginning of, of my book, A Walk in the Shadows, in the introduction, I reserve the right to change my mind. I might think something now, uh, you know, whatever it is. But as I continue to research and investigate, uh, you know, I might come to a different conclusion, conclusion later on based on new data that I, I've come across. And so, like, years and years ago, I used to think human spirits are human spirits. They're their own thing. And, you know, shadow people are shadow people. They're their own thing. They're completely separate. But as you know, I would give presentations, talk at conferences, meet people, that sort of thing, I, I was getting a lot of stories from people that would say, well, I, you know, I believe this particular shadow was, um, you know, my, my uncle or, you know, a historic figure that was, uh, that, that used to live here, that sort of thing. So I had to start giving it some sort of credence. And then my, uh, friend, Rob Guttrow, uh, told me a story. Yeah. He was a great guy. Yeah. One, one of my best friends in the world. And, uh, uh, and it was about 10 years ago or so. And he was telling me the story about his aunt 
who had appeared to him as a shadow because he, she wanted him to deliver a message to his mother who was still alive. It's like, I, I trust Rob with, with my life. You know, he's like, again, he's, he's one of my best friends in the world. So it's like, all right. So, so Rob is telling me this too. So I, I, I definitely give some credence now. So this, you know, okay, fine. Some uh, shadow entities are human spirits, but then I actually got to see it for myself we were at the Mineral Springs Hotel in Alton, Illinois. Uh, we had run a uh, we had run an event that particular day, uh, a little paracon, and we were investigating. It was really getting down toward the end of the night. Just a handful of us left. We're in the uh, top floor, abandoned part of the hotel, in one of the corner suites. But all of a sudden, we hear some noises coming out from the hallway. So we go out there to the hallway, looking looking down there. And all of a sudden, you see this black smoke start to billow up. And at first, you're thinking, is, you know, is there a fire going on down there? What's, what's You don't smell smoke, but you see this, you see smoke uh, billowing up. You just don't smell it. So it's like, okay, we're watching, we're watching. It's coming closer, it's coming closer. And then it started to do something really unusual. It started to creep up the wall on the right-hand side. You creep back down and creep back up. All the while, it's coming closer and closer until finally, one of those times that it creeps up, the wall on the right hand side it morphed into the apparition of a little girl and so now we're asking the girl hey come closer come closer and she ended up stopping right at this doorway where the room beyond was a room in which many people over the years had reported the spirit of a little girl being there now i had investigated there many many times and never really got any interaction in that room you know people have teddy bears and toys and all kinds of that sort of thing in that room to use as trigger objects I got other activity throughout the uh, top floor there with other spirits, but with her, nothing really. But finally, this one particular day, here she is standing right by that doorway. And what's interesting also about this is you t- we talked earlier about, you know, trying to find out that reason, you know, why. Um, well, we all saw her a little bit differently. We all, there were five of us that saw this little girl. But, like, I saw her fully formed from her head down to about her knees, and then she started to dissipate away. Others saw her fully formed at the feet, you know, then on upward, and then it was like her head started to dissipate away. And so then, of course, you got to ask the question, why? You know, rather than just, oh, we all saw her differently. No, why did we see her differently? And I believe that comes down to personal resonance, energy, and vibration. You know, the human body resonates within a certain frequency range, about 9 to 16 hertz. But each individual person is a little bit different. Well, the spirit herself also has her own you know, personal energy resonance and vibration. So depending on how we're resonating and you know, interacting within a particular moment, we're going to see this spirit energy a little bit differently. And that's why you, know, you can be on a paranormal investigation uh, with somebody. They're standing right next to you. And you see something happen, like a shadow or whatever, they don't see a thing. And why is that? Because we're all resonating at a little bit of a different frequency. Wow. That is that is absolutely intense. I mean, did she ever uh, physically communicate with you guys? No, she just kind of stood there and looked at us. And she looked very, very sad, uh, which is really the way people have reported her over the years. Usually it's in the room itself. And a a lot of the stories are she'll be standing by the window, looking sad, looking out the window as if 
she's waiting for somebody to come. And, you know, some different psychic mediums that have been in there have said things like, uh, you know, she's waiting for, you know, her family to come or her father to come, that, that sort of story. And for whatever reason, they, they never came to get her, which is a, a really sad story. But, um, yeah, not, not any verbal communication, just kind of standing there looking sad. Oh, that's terrible. we got about three minutes mm-hmm. to go before we have to go to break here at the top of the hour. Mike Ricksecker is our guest tonight. Mike, I mean, one more shadow story, quick one here, if you have one for us. Anyone just make you sure. laugh. We always want spooky. What about, what about humorous? Is there anyone that kind of just makes you laugh? Uh, humorous. Well, I mean, there was a playful one at, um, Campsville grade school in Campsville, Illinois, where, um, you know, it was, it, it was a school that's in not being used as a school anymore. The archeological society is taking it over. Uh, we were able to investigate for a little while before, you know, they claimed ownership. Um, and you know, there was a particular shadow that was being very, very playful with us. Um, we were in the gym. There was a set of double doors that went to the boys' locker room and then downstairs to the uh, the boiler room. And it was one of those, we'd keep hearing noises over there by the door. And we'd, so we'd go investigate. And then all of a sudden, we would hear noises over back by the bleachers. So we'd go back over to the bleachers. And then all of a sudden, we're hearing noises over by the door again. So it was back and forth, back and forth. It was playing around with us. Finally, one of these times that we're sitting over by the bleachers, and we're hearing the noises over by the door again, um, we decided, okay, we're not going to go over there. We're just going to, you know, call out from over by the bleachers and, you know, do, try to do a little EVP work, that sort of thing. And as we're doing that, you know, I'm panning the camera uh, across, the, uh, across the gym, and over by those doors, you do see a, uh, a shadow that is, you know, it's walking. It's, it's kind of, you can actually see it walking in the video clip. And we did a height comparison later. It turned out to be about the height of a 10 or 11-year-old child, which, of course, makes sense for the school. But, uh, yeah, definitely a very, very playful one. I love stories like that. I mean, playful ghosts are are some of the most fun that you can have. I mean, and, and they create some good memories. I took my father on a paranormal tour at our local museum here that I was running. And I, I gave him a, I don't care if you believe in K2 meters or not, but I gave him a K2 meter to hold on to. And all of a sudden, he, he, he taps me on the shoulder. He's like, son, what's this light going right to red? I said, dad, there's a little girl up here. She's probably standing towards you. I said, why don't you put your hand out and see if she'll hold your hand? So my dad's hand is like, it's down at his side, but it's like shaking. You know, and he's like hmm. just shaking away. And then all of a sudden his hand calmed down and he said he could feel the palm of the little girl hold on to his hand. Oh, wow. Right. And he, and he was describing this and, you know, to this day, he, he tries to be Mr. Skeptic. I don't believe in that crap. You know, <laughs> I'm an Alberta farm boy. I don't believe in any of that crap, you know, but he, he'll never mistake it, you know, because once you get it out of him. You know, he doesn't like talking about the subjects, but once you get it out of him, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of cool to uh, to see it. Mike, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. All right. Because we're going to go to break here at the top of the hour. MikeRicksecker.com is the website. You can find all of his books. Mike's an award-winning bestseller on Amazon. Great paranormal stories, supernatural stories. And when we return, we'll hit him up about the Alaska Triangle. And some ghost stories, because I know he's got a ton of them. The Paranormal Show of Spaced Out Radio continues with Hour 2 next. Stay tuned.
All right, Mike, we have about six minutes. I'm going to put uh, okay. Dirty Filth up here, and he can take it away with the cartoons, and uh, and uh, we'll be right back. Sounds good. Thanks. Everybody's gone. Oh, yeah, here we go. Cartoon action. It's not done yet, everybody. Almost. And the blob is passed out. I can no longer feel my legs. Crap, I used the wrong green. Well, I hope everybody's having a good show. Hey, Black Dragon. Ooh, I got my pumpkins today, so I can't wait to cut up my spooky pumpkins. Okay, time for some boots on the alien. And then we can ink it. I know it looked glorious. Hello, Jessica S. Apparently, Super Duke is here too. Hi, Super Duke. Oh, okay, Blob. Oh. Hi, Bomber. Oh. Sorry, Blob. Oh. Can't feel my legs. For a small cat, she weighs a lot. Ooh, spooky pumpkins. I haven't even cut mine up. I just bought them today. I just do simple ones. Usually this is filth to something incredibly complex. Oops. Well, Browndorf, you'll have to shoot me a message or something. We'll figure out a plan. Oh, yeah. Miniature weapon silver. It's usually what I paint my weapons for my miniatures. And I like silver more than gold because it kills vampires or it kills werewolves easily. Not so much gold. Look at that. Crap. That's great. Mixing all the water up. I'm ruin all my brushes and I'll have to go buy more. Need to invest in like a, a little tiny blow dryer of some sort. Blow dry my art. 
This is for the men who never settle, the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick, the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera, and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. This is for the men who never settle, the ones who believe only quitters and a game and a tie. The type of guys who choose the bar with the biggest TVs to overcompensate for theirs at home. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is so excited to introduce a brand new wing flavor, Hot Honey. They brought the heat with this one, featuring honey, crushed red pepper, jalapenos, and cayenne pepper. It's sweet on the front end with a kick at the end. Go to Twin Peaks to find your new favorite wing sauce. Twin Peaks. Eats. Drinks. Scenic views. Okay, so we'll start with start with stars. Might as well. I don't know why starting on the right hand side. That's counterintuitive there, duty filth. And now I'm rambling away. Hello, Dave. <coughs> we got about one minute, Mike. All right. Yeah. Sweet Tony D, how you doing? Let's see. Oob to Joe's Bane, you've got aliens and Bigfoot. What are you drawing here, Filth? Looks like a mummy. I don't even know. Don't even know. All right. Doritos, Dave. Flying Doritos. Flying Doritos. Perfect. Thank you to Paramarv and Christina for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate uh, the learning or the the love that you guys have uh, shown. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody who has hit subscribe and rang that bell for our subscription and uh, giving us a thumbs up, thumbs down. Let's try and hit 100 tonight. Thank you. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us 
My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Weird. Weird is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Author, television star Mike Ricksecker is here tonight on Spaced Out Radio as we're talking all things paranormal and supernatural with Mike. His website, MikeRicksecker.com, where the award-winning author is having all of his books right there where you can pick up for your own library. We highly suggest that you do. He's got a great selection from Shadow People to the Alaskan Triangle and every ghost and campfire story in between. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Once again, Dave, thanks for having me back. Not a problem. Not a problem. Mike, before we get to some more questions here that I have about ghosts and the Alaskan mm-hmm. Triangle, let's let's get to our audience here for a couple of seconds sure. here. Let's go to Chad right off the bat. Mike, have you seen paranormal events happening more frequently in the last couple of years? Um, you know, I get that question a lot, and I've been getting that question for a lot of years. So, <laughs> um you know, I, I don't necessarily think that it's, uh, you know, there's there's more paranormal activity that's, you know, increasing, increasing, increasing. Paranormal activity has always been happening around us. In fact, Hans Holzer has a, a great quote that says, um, you know, he doesn't believe in the supernatural, that everything that we call the supernatural is actually something that's very natural. So it's all a part of our natural world. I think what's happening here is, um, yes, we have more re- reports that are coming out about uh paranormal the supernatural but people are also becoming more comfortable talking about it where you know uh 30 40 years ago 50 years ago you didn't really talk about it so much because it was still more taboo at that point in time if you if you talked about hearing voices or seeing apparitions then people all would either think you're a weird or a quack or in some communities you might find yourself in a straitjacket and, and put away into the psychiatric hospital. Um, so people really didn't talk about it uh, as much way back in the day. But now, you know, over the last 20, 25 years, we've had a lot of television shows that have come out. Uh, the Internet has been really good as far as, you know, being able to find information about personal experiences that you've had. I mean, that was kind of like my research, you know, back in the uh, the mid nineties before a lot of like scariest places on earth or, or ghost hunters and, and shows like that came out was you're finding like a lot of online forums and like the old Yahoo groups and things like that, uh, where people were getting together and talking about different things that they had experienced. And then you know, once the television show started coming out, it was like, Oh look, here are these other people having these experiences. And so the conversation started to happen more and more. So I think what's happened is, you know, more people because of, you know, seeing it within the media, seeing it on uh, television, uh, on the shows, you know, now, like when it comes to the UFO stuff, now you have the U.S. government talking about it. So, you know, people are more open to talking about it now. So more stories are, are coming forth because of that. 
I want to ask you one question as a follow-up to this, Mike. You know, and, and I've asked other people this too, but is the paranormal dying off? And and I know that sounds real, uh, like a real pun, but what I'm saying is in popularity, have we pushed the paranormal to its mm. limits? Because every television show is the same. You know, every television show, uh, which really garners the interest. I mean, you don't see as many people joining paranormal teams anymore the way it was, say, seven, eight years ago, everybody seems to, you know, the popularity really seems to be with UFOs right now because of what's happening within the United States government and the popularity of that on television. You know, granted, ratings are still very high on TV, but the paranormal to me seems to, like, does anybody care about it anymore the way they used to, say, seven, ten years ago? Yeah, I think there's an ebb and flow, you know, to all of this. So, you know, there have been some what you would almost call like little, uh, you know, microwaves, you know, kind of, uh, you know, it'll rise and fall in popularity. And I think, you know, certainly television has a, has a part to play in that, you know, for a while it was fine that, uh, you know, okay, we're, we're trying to find a ghost on TV, but then that wasn't enough. Now every single location has to be haunted. And then at some point that wasn't enough. Now everything has to be a demon. So within that, you would see these, you know, kind of little waves go up and down. Uh, but overall, if you look at like the grand scheme of history, there's an ebb and a flow to that as well. So back during the uh, you know mid to late 1800s into the early 1900s a little bit, you had like the big spiritualism movement. And so you had, you know, a lot of seances, the whole table tipping thing, uh, you know, very active. I mean, Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, uh, he he sponsored the the Cottingley Fairies, which eventually turned out to be uh, fraudulent. But still, there was a huge interest in it during those uh, particular years. And then all of a sudden, that started to die off, and it, it became more of um, and, and maybe World War Two had something to do. You, know, you had oh number one and two. You had um, you know maybe those kind of. Uh, put a, uh, a cork in it for a little while. It's kind of hard to, to really know. And, uh, you know, there was this, this, this big pullback from it for a long, long time. And then it was only like a couple of people around, like, you know, Hans Holzer. Uh, and then a little while later, it was the Warrens. And so it was like, okay, little, you know, inklings of people starting to get involved again until, of course, you know, the, the big push within um, within popular culture here over the last quarter century. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you for asking that. Let's go to mood freedom. How can someone discern what kind of shadow person is there? What are the signs of each type? Yeah, that's a good question. So that's going to take a lot of uh, you know research and investigation. I mean, like when it came to the little girl, um, I mean, we saw her morph out of shadow smoke. So it was like, okay, this one's a human spirit. Uh, so that one was was pretty obvious. In other cases, um, it, it's going to take a little bit more than that. And you may never know. You may never actually, uh, you know, find out. Uh, but, you know, like some things you could look for is, you know, how does it react to you? Like I had um, a really interesting story where, you know, walking into a uh, restaurant or I was in a restaurant, sorry, I was walking into the kitchen of a restaurant called Johnny V's. And there is this really, really quick wisp of a shadow that just boom, suddenly darted across the room, you know, as if I scared it. Uh, So, you know, how is it that I was able to scare, you know, this entity? And what was also fascinating about this is that, 
um, there's a little flimsy uh, metal side door to this kitchen that, you know, waiters and waitresses will carry large trays of food through. You know, you could just tap the thing and it would move. And you heard, boom, it slam into this door, but it didn't move at all. So, okay, how is it that we could hear it slam into the door, but the door didn't move? You know, the, you know, the shadow, okay, doesn't have mass, fine, so it wouldn't make it move, but it made the sound. So that's when you start looking at, okay, did we witness something interdimensional here that perhaps on its plane of existence, maybe it saw me as a shadow, maybe it saw me as a ghost. I don't know, but I had scared it. And when it, you know, hit that door, perhaps on its plane of existence in its dimension, that blue door, that door blew wide open. It ran off into the, uh, the back restaurant area the sound working on a different wavelength, maybe that was able to traverse the different dimensions. So it's it's a theory on what may have happened uh, that this could have been an interdimensional being in this particular instance. But that's, those are the sorts of things that you have to start asking yourself. It's looking at the characteristics of the particular moment or moments and try to discern what exactly is going on here. Very true. Very true. Let's get to one more question, and then uh, I want to get into some uh, of the Alaskan Triangle mm-hmm. with you. you know, let's go to... Uh, sure. Let's go to Uriel, because it leads up to what we're going to talk about here. Does the pyramid in Alaska control consciousness, like Tom DeLong mentioned? Uh, it's. I mean, that's hard to know, uh, because right now, I mean, when it comes to the Black Pyramid in, in Alaska, um, it's... I mean, we don't really have it, everything's anecdotal coming out of there. So it, there's not like the the Great Pyramid of Giza where you can walk up to it and see the pyramid there, and and be able to walk inside of it and see the way everything's kind of carved out and built. And then we have theories as to you know was it a machine, was it a power plant, that sort of thing. Uh, when it comes to the Black Pyramid, we we don't have a photograph of it. We we it's not someplace that you can just, you know, like walk up to and there it is and go explore it. So we have to rely on the information coming out of these stories. So Tom DeLong saying, you know, does it control consciousness? Maybe. Uh, One of the other ideas is that it was a massive power plant like is believed, uh, or some people believe the Giza power plant or the Giza pyramid to be that being a power plant. And, you know, they believe it was so huge and so massive that it was not only powering uh, Alaska, but it also stretched into Canada. Okay, that's a theory, but it, we we don't actually physically see it in, in order to be able to uh, to make a better assessment of it. So it's really hard to say. Uh, you know, hopefully more information uh, will come out on that, and you know, perhaps even you know, getting a physical look at it, which would be amazing. Let's let's stick with Alaska here. Because mm-hmm. you've done a television show called the Alaskan Triangle, and yeah. this is something that you know you went looking for all the mysteries regarding missing people, uh, people who just vanished, military stuff, Bigfoot, Dogman, all sorts of monsters and cryptids and aliens that are said to be roaming around. Never mind having to dodge a grizzly bear or two in between. I mean, how mysterious is this Alaskan Triangle? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, you know, one of the most remote places on Earth. You know, it's the the state is absolutely massive, uh, you know, over 600,000 square miles. It's, it's more than two and a half times the size of Texas. And the actual part that we call the triangle uh, is larger than the state of California. 
it, but you're talking about like vast mountain ranges in you know frozen tundra in places that you know we've never even surveyed before you know satellite imagery is spotty at best in some of these areas so uh you know there, there's a lot of mystique about what's actually going on in alaska and for being such a large massive state uh, it only has about the size uh for population of about the city of san francisco so when we talk about there being 16,000 people that have gone missing there since 1988 uh that becomes a very very large number and, and where did they go? You know, I mean, sure, some people, you know, went missing in the woods and got lost and, you know, got attacked by a grizzly bear, that sort of thing. Some people have been kidnapped. But the number is so huge per capita, um, it's mind-boggling. Some people have just right in plain sight have suddenly gone missing to never be seen again. Do you think there's a lot of open portals up there? Do you think that there's a lot of natural explanation for what is going on. I mean, let's face it when you're in a place and, and I kind of live in a place like that too, here where I am in central British Columbia, where, you know, you can, it's very easy to get lost in the woods. Mm -hmm. And if you're not prepared, you forget a compass or a GPS tracker or something along those lines, you can easily, easily vanish. You know, is it something more, I'm wondering if it's more nefarious of what's going on in that triangle or whether you feel it's more natural and human caused. Well, I mean, some of it is, you know, very natural. I mentioned, sure, you can get lost in the woods and attacked by a grizzly bear and never be seen again. That can certainly happen. Uh, Some people are, you know, found again, you know, whether, you know, alive or dead. Um, and, And those that are dead, you know, at least the families get some sort of closure. Uh, the ones that go missing and are never seen again, you know, the family has no closure. They have no idea. And they, they are holding on to a glimmer of hope that somewhere out there is their loved one. Um, but then you have these stories of, you know, people that, you know, they were following a path. They heard a sound off to the side, took two steps out into the woods, couldn't see what was making the noise, turned around to step back on the path and was just gone. And all of a sudden, they are lost in the woods. They took two steps off the path. All of a sudden, they're lost in the woods. And, you know, they're, they're found maybe a week or two weeks later. They're surviving, trying to, you know, get back to civilization. Where did they go? How did that happen? Where they were just, you know, were they, were they teleported? Did they fall into some sort of portal or time slip or something like that? You know, we don't know. But they were suddenly lost in the woods after taking two steps. It doesn't make much sense. Um, there's one fascinating story uh, of a uh, of a guy, Michael Lemater. He was in the middle of a very public race about 10 years ago. It was the Mount Marathon race uh, near Seward. And he runs up the mountain just like everybody else. Never comes back down. Nobody knows what in the world happened to him. There are, you know, have search parties out there looking for him. They, did, did he fall off the path somewhere? You know, they, they never found him. They never found him. Nothing, you know, 10 years ago in the middle of a very public race. What in the world is that? Um, and then, you know, you have the missing planes, you know, the most prolific of which was the, uh, the Hill Boggs and Nick Begich uh, plane disappearance, which, you know, Boggs was the House Majority Leader at the time, a uh, very, very prolific individual. And their plane going from Anchorage to Juneau uh, just, poof, disappears going through the Portage Pass, which is where most planes travel through making that journey. It have never been seen again. The largest 
uh, search and rescue mission to that point in, in U.S. history. This is 1972 was launched. You know, hundreds of thousands of uh, man hours are put into that. Thousands of people activated searching for them. Spy planes were utilized. Nothing ever found of that plane at all. Where did it go? That That's amazing to me. Amazing, because I often wonder, I mean, Alaska, We let's face it, has a lot of UFO reports, you know, mm-hmm. including the most famous in 1986 with the Japanese yeah. Airlines cargo 747 flying across and coming across a, a one to two mile long mothership and then getting forced down by the military to land. And, and those pilots ended up getting fired after having spectacular flying careers. And, and it was only after time that they were reinstated because of public pressure by Japanese airlines and, and other people. to. This is for the men who never settle, the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick. The type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera. And the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. Reinstatum, but I mean, when you look at it, you know, I always come back to aliens and portals. And, you know, with David Politis' missing 411, the portals thing really just seems to to have a real push for me. What, what's your thoughts on the portals? Well, and that could be what happens when somebody steps off the path and turns around and it's gone. You know, did they step through a portal? Um, and there's a couple of different ways that that could that could work. You know, maybe it teleported them to somewhere else in the forest. Maybe it teleported them to some other point in time. Um, yeah. You, it, it's very possible. And um, when it comes to the idea of portals, now you have the energy there that could certainly uh, manifest these sorts of things. I, I point back to uh, Bruce Gernon in the Bermuda Triangle where, and this was also during the 1970s, that he described what he called an electronic fog. And as he was flying through these clouds, they formed up like a tunnel uh, around him. And as he flew, flew through, all of a sudden, he's looking down. The city of Miami is below him, and he basically would have had to have traveled a hundred miles in three minutes in his little Cessna airplane, uh, which just isn't possible. So, it's a you know shorter uh, type of time travel. Really, what's going on here? He went through some sort of portal and came out on the other side, having jumped ahead in time. And that could be what's happening to some of these different missing airplanes. Now, uh, in 1950, there was the massive uh, Douglas Skymaster with 44 personnel aboard that totally went missing. And one of the ideas is that uh, it had uh, disappeared through a portal. So what I like to throw out there is, okay, if if it did disappear through a portal, and perhaps if it went through a portal, you could say maybe it went into another dimension. Maybe it went into another point in time. 
let's take a look at the time aspect of it. If it went to another point in time, say, I don't know, 500 years into the past, you know, just taking a number here, 500 years in the past. Okay, great. So airplane shows up, it's in the sky. What do the indigenous people of the land think at that when they suddenly see this massive airplane flying over their heads? Well, they have no context of airplanes, but they do of birds. And it's very loud, very thunderous. So maybe it's like some of these Thunderbird legends of old. And that's what's happening here, that that some of these large airplanes that have gone missing, have gone through some sort of portal, have jumped back in time, they become the Thunderbird legends. Um, so, you know, it's, it's different. I mean, there's no way to prove it at this point unless we, you know, at, at some point excavate and find uh, this, this airplane down there and somehow carbon date the thing to you know, 500 years ago, that would be fascinating. I don't know if the government would ever admit to something like that if they found it, but um, but it's definitely food for thought as to what may be going on here. Well, you know what? To me, it seems like one of the only logical solutions. I mean, but these portals just seem to pop up everywhere, not just in Alaska, but I mean, you look at, uh, you know, the maps that David Politis has put together, or how many times have we heard stories, you know, uh, not to sound grotesque here, but my buddies and I were out on, were out in, a, in, in the city going bar hopping. My buddy runs into an alley to, to relieve himself behind a garbage can and vanishes. And his yeah. buddies are 20, 30 feet away. They're going to hear any noise. They're going to hear any struggle. They're going to check up on their friend, and but he's gone. Or you hear these stories on on mountain trails where somebody's walking ahead, and they you know they look behind them. The person who is with them, whether it's a child or a fellow hiker, is, has vanished, and they can hear them saying, "Help me! Where are you?" You know, yelling, but you can't see them. They're gone. It's like they've just walked onto the same trail in a different dimension. I mean, this is the most fascinating part of this entire phenomena for me. Yeah, and some of it, sometimes you can hear um, you know, the person calling back for a little while, but you don't actually see them. And I mentioned before with the, the shadow person at Johnny V's restaurant of you know sound working on a different wavelength. So we might be able to hear that you know passing through dimensions if the portal is still open and when it comes to the douglas skymaster from 1950 a couple different things there were some reports of some radio chatter uh coming back through it was it was very indiscernible but they thought it might have been from the crew of the the douglas skymaster but again they still weren't able to find the plane so you know was the radio chatter coming back through the portal until it finally closed um you mentioned ufo earlier and uh, with that particular event, just before, like the day before and a day or two after the Skymaster went missing, there were UFO reports in the area. So some people, you know, speculate that you know maybe you know, uh, they were they were abducted by you know whoever the extraterrestrials were in the UFOs. So that's always a possibility too. Always a possibility, and that's the problem. We have all of these possibilities, but no full answers as to what is truly going on out there in this beautifully strange world of ours. We have Mike Ricksecker for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. We'll get to more of your questions as well. We'll get into some of Mike's favorite ghost stories, as it is Halloween time once again. And I don't know if you've got your costume. I'm going to be a slice of pizza. I've decided since I can't eat pizza anymore. (laughs) 
Pepperoni Pizza is my con- costume for this year. MikeRickSecker.com. You can find all of his books right there from the award-winning author. We'll be back on Spaced Out Radio right after this. We're clear. All right. Yeah, the whole portals thing, man. I don't think enough of us are paying attention to that. I mean, we are, but... <laughs> well, we know they exist. I mean, even NASA is uh, pointed to a portal uh, just outside of Earth. You know, they call it an X point, and it opens and closes um, irregularly. But basically, it's that point where the Earth's um, magnetic sphere hits the solar wind. And right at that point, there's there's a portal. They don't know exactly what it does or where it goes, but according to NASA, there it is. Yeah. I don't know, man. You know, there's there's one story that really hit me in the David in uh, David Politis's book of 2019. It, it was his missing 411 Canada book, mm-hmm. and um, this one hit me because it was there were three young girls in Ontario or Manitoba. They were out horseback riding, and they came to a fork in the, in, on the path and the one girl says, this is a shortcut. Let's go to the left here and I'll, you know, and we'll go this way. The other two are like, no, we've never ridden down that trail before. Let's just stick to our regular trail. And the other, you know, they go back to the sister and the sister's like, no, I'm going to, I'll race you. I'll take this trail to the barn. I know it's faster. And you know, Hey, if I win, I get to, you do my chores for a week or whatever it may be. And so the two girls, the one sister and the friend, ran on the main trail. The other one takes this alleged shortcut. Both her and the horse have never been seen again. Wow. And that that one, I mean, as sad as it is, and thank you, Apollo, for that awesome, awesome super chat. Very much appreciate it. Uh, But as sad as that is, here's the thing. If it was human, it's a whole horse. <laughs> a human isn't going to kidnap a twelve hundred pound horse, right? They're gonna leave. They're gonna rip the girl off the horse. The horse is going to be found. Horse is never found, right? I mean, yeah, so, that that's that's strange. The whole horse is gone. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, my theory is, and and I think that this girl rode into a portal, and on that other side of the portal. Her and her sister met up. But on this hmm. on this plane, she's gone. Right? I mean, That's an interesting way to think about it, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, there's there's definitely a a lot to be said for, for different portal activity um around the world and we didn't really get into it, but you know, you have um, you know Ivor, Ivan T. Sanderson's vile vortices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what's interesting about those particular locations, and most of those are different triangle areas around the world, is the way they connect through the globe actually make a perfect twenty sided polygon out of our Earth. So that's where you can like start taking this stuff into uh, sacred 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 geometry. Sorry, it's getting late. I'm starting to slur. <laughs> oh, that's um, all right. But it's fascinating to actually look at that. 
it, it, it just blows my mind, my friend. It blows my mind. You know, because um, then if these portals are real, it gives credence to all of these other mystic creatures that we say use portals, whether it's Bigfoot or Dogman or little people or gnomes or, or you know, Thunderbirds that we, we never see, you know, it, it really does. It gives a lot of credence. Yeah, a fascinating book on... Um... Like when it comes to the fairies and gnomes and all that, Passport to Magonia, um, Jacques Vallée, uh, fa- that's a great book. And it gets into that uh, about the uh, the fairy realm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not just legend and lore. There's you know, actually some, some credence to you know, what these sightings actually are. And it gets into the idea of portals. Let's get to Donnie here who is asking, Mike, the longer you do this and the more you figure this out, do you ever stop and wonder, are we just characters in a video game? <laughs> well, in my book, A Walk in the Shadows, I do have a uh, a chapter on uh, the simulated universe. And basically, it asks the questions, okay, if we are in a simulated universe, then uh, what would shadow people be within that? Uh, but to, to some degree, we are. Um, is it like a video game? I mean, I have I have a degree in simulation programming, so I think it's easier for us to contextualize it as a video game, but it would be something more... Um, like organic or biological, and really, if you look at our uh, our world religions, um, when you look at the idea of reincarnation, it's like logging in and logging out of a video game. You know, you, you come down here, you live for a little on, while, Mike. you go back up. And- Hold on, here we go. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Hanging out, talking all this weird woo with you. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, don't forget to check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We have them until the top of the hour. Author, researcher, television personality, Mike Ricksecker is here. And you can go to his website, MikeRicksecker.com, to find all of his amazing books to add to your catalog of haunted stories. And they are great. Trust me on that one. Mike, thank you so much for being here tonight, my friend. Oh, absolutely. I'm taking a look at uh, Phil's art, art down there. And that turned out really nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, Dirty Filth, our artist, he he is just amazing at what he does. Amazing at what he does, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's an alien uh, giving candy to a, a couple of mummies, you know, for Halloween. <laughs> the title is Trick or Treat. That's fun. It's exactly. really fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Do you have any Halloween traditions? I mean, being that you're into the spookiness. Uh, um, you, you know. For a while with my kids, it was like every year uh, for a while there, I was a I was a vampire. Um, 
So, you know, we would, we would do different things to, to decorate the house and all that. I mean, my kids are grown now. Um, but, um, I mean, we always did you know, the dressing up part and, uh, you know, the, the kids always had a lot of fun. I mean, I had, I had fun with it as a kid. Um, you know, my kids, I tried, I tried to kind of share that as well. So, you know, we do the, we do the candy and, you know, maybe a little Halloween party with the, with their friends and things like that. So, yeah. Well, it's it's also well traditionally it's also my father's birthday so we have <laughs> every year we do have to celebrate his birthday. Hey, why not? Why not? You know, yeah. I, I want to ask you. Uh, you know, the ghost stories that you have covered over the years, whether you've written about them or whether you've covered them for television or your own podcast. You know, some of them are spooky. Some of them will just make you scratch your head. What kind of ghost story do you like? Um, I mean, I like the ones that, um, they're kind of mind benders, things that make you think, um, you know, get with an unexpected twist in there. So, um, a great one is, you know, the movie, the others, you know, I love that as a, as a ghost story type of a movie. So, um, you got your classic ghost story going on this big, you know, cool, creepy haunted house that has a great twist at the end. So, yeah. So for you, when you go uh, on a paranormal investigation or you're writing about a certain ghost, are you looking for, you know, that that fancy legend that nobody talks about? Or are you looking for, you know, that that popular one that's going to spook you out? Because we often talk about the spookiness of of the ghost stories and or whatever it may be but we never ever really talk about you know the fun times we have with ghosts the the weird or strange interactions which i i just find compelling yeah i mean when when i'm on a paranormal investigation and i'm going to write about it i mean i i go where the story takes me um you know it's you know i'm not going to try to um I don't know. I, I guess, you know, if I, if I want it to be a spooky encounter and it's not, I'm not going to end up writing that it was a spooky one. It's um, in, in a lot of the cases you know, we're, we're giving a voice to these spirits from the past and we're trying to retell their story. Um, but, but there are, you know, some really interesting interactions that happen along the way, whether they're spooky or fun, or, you know, maybe they give you some more information to, you know, you know, the history of the location or, you know, who they might be or, or something like that. So it just, it really kind of depends on the moment. What are a couple of your most memorable encounters? Um, yeah, I've had a lot. Um, one that's great. So a great uh, haunted house uh, would be the Stone Lion Inn in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And, you know, it's kind of just the epitome of, of a haunted house. You walk up to it, you're like, Looking at you like that, yeah, that place is haunted. Yeah, so you know, turn of the twentieth century home, um, in a, in a very old historic town, and when you walk in, it's just got that like creepy, cool ambiance. You know, you hear floors creaking, and it's yeah. almost like you hear voices on the air. Yeah. Uh, the the place was used as a mortuary for several years, and there's an old embalming table sitting right there in the entrance hall. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So it really kind of sets the tone. So we investigated there several times when I used to live out in Oklahoma. And this this one particular occasion, I was just doing an initial uh, 
EMF sweep of, of the house, you know, just give ourselves a baseline. And I was in the library area and we didn't really ever record paranormal activity there before, but you know, doing due diligence, doing this, doing the EMF sweep. And as I got over by the, uh, by the fireplace, all of a sudden I was just overwhelmed with this huge wave of energy in my, you know, my meter spiked all the way out and boom, I'm getting hit with some weird, strange energy. And I almost passed out right there. And I had to kind of, you know, catch a breath and everybody's wondering if I was all right. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm okay. So I was like, all right. So that was interesting. Uh, a few minutes later, you know, we go ahead and we start the investigation. And um, in that entrance hall, along with the embalming table, there's also a, uh, a set of drawers there. It's kind of blocking off uh, these old doors because they, they don't want them to use, they don't want people to use it because they, they've set up the whole place as a bed and breakfast. So they set a bureau over here in this one area. We had noticed that one of the drawers was open a little bit. Didn't really pay it any mind. Continued on into the actual suite that was down this one hallway. And we were only down there like a minute. And all of a sudden we heard this bang come from back out in the entrance hall. So we go rushing back out there and we noticed that that drawer in that uh, set of in that set of doors, that bureau had been slammed shut. So like, oh, okay, something's going on here. So uh, the one guy gets out his tri-field meter. I start snapping photos, and I caught in my camera this fantastic white wisp that was there between him and the bureau. Like, oh, wow. okay, cool. There's something. There's something going on here tonight. But wait, there's more. Uh, so we decided that um, that suite that was back there was a, a little bit too small for our whole group so we decided to split up this is for the men who never settle the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname this is the lodge mentality this is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Hey everybody, Steve Azar here at Pearl River Resort inviting you to join us for my Sizzling Hot Stainless Cookware Giveaway. I've got an amazing collection of stainless cookware up for the taking and perfect for your favorite recipes. Come play your favorite games every Tuesday through Friday in October to earn these fantastic gifts. It's another no work and all play giveaway this month at Pearl River Resort. See y'all soon. Must be 21. A couple people are going to go back into that suite. I started leading a group up the stairs and I got to the, the middle landing of the staircase and another investigator had started up and just between us, one of the wall hangings uh, on the wall there along the staircase just, boom, crashed to the stairs and shattered. And of all things, this was a framed photograph of Lizzie Borden. Strange. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy, crazy night. That is just, you know, that's one thing I love about the paranormal is, is those type of coincidences that you have like that. You know, I mean, I think we all who've experienced the paranormal uh, have the, you know, we have the spooky stories and we then we have the ones that are just head scratchers and one that makes you laugh. I remember playing on a Ouija board with with some friends and all of a sudden the, there was a, a fire that started in in the uh, wood stove 
and my buddy went around the house. Did anybody start the fire? Because it hadn't been burning since 9.30 that morning. And it was now 10.30 at night. And all of a sudden, the planchette starts to... We all, a few of us still had our fingers on the planchette. It starts to move around. And one of us asks, you know, do you know who started the fire? It goes to yes. And then we said, who? It spelled out, I did. When we asked why, the spirit said I was cold. You know, I mean, like... <laughs> well... I mean, you wanted a logical answer... I mean that's pretty logical communication right there if you if you ask me but I mean you know for for yourself you know what scares you Mike what what gives you after all these years of doing this you know what what gives you the heebie-jeebies Ah uh, I mean that's it's it's a tough question cuz when I'm out on a paranormal investigation I mean that's that's what I'm looking for so when something unusual happens uh, I'm I'm running toward it, you know. So um, I'm not really backing off, like, oh, that's too spooky. I'm out of here. No, I'm I'm there to to find out what this phenomenon is all about, uh, or you know who these spirits might be, or whether it's an interdimensional being, or whatever's going on here, or like we're helping a particular family. Maybe there's something that we need to find out about this entity to help, you know, inform the family what's going on, or give them some closure, whatever the situation is. So usually I'm running toward it. Um, it is really in those moments that it, it's unexpected that um, that it might get me a little bit. So there's this one particular time that um, it was out in Maryland. And there was a friend of mine that um, was, was going through a tough time. And she had uh, parked her SUV back behind her old family home, which was now an abandoned house. And I'd gone down there to uh, to help her down, to help her out, kind of almost talk her off a ledge sort of thing. And so I parked in the driveway, walked back to her SUV, uh, you know, got in, and we're talking for a while. Uh, but, you know, it was really, really dark back there. I mean, this was not in town. It was kind of outside of the town. And it was a nice big uh dark forest back behind the house. And so as we're sitting there talking, I'm noticing in the side mirror that there are all these short shadow entities that are starting to creep up around the trees. And we're talking and I'm looking, we're talking, I'm looking. And she notices that I keep looking at something uh, through the side mirror. She's like, you, you see something, don't you? And she had been involved a little bit with the paranormal. So, um, so when I explained, well, yeah, I keep seeing these short shadow entities crawling up toward the, the trunks of the trees. She kind of she understood, uh, you know, what I was talking about. But we continued the conversation on for a little bit more. But it was kind of getting real dark and heavy back there with all this going on. And then all of a sudden, I saw one of them creep up behind the car, and that was when I was like, you know we should probably go and get out of here. You know, this isn't what we're here for. Um, we're not in the right situation. We're not in the right frame of mind right now. Don't have any equipment either. Um, so maybe we should take the conversation elsewhere, which Makes she sense. agreed to. So I get out of the car. I still see all these shadows, you know, lining the trees. I didn't see the one that came up to the car. I don't know where that one went. So I go walking back to my car and as I'm, walking back to my car. You know, I'm keeping an eye on the trees just to make sure nobody's following me. But I looked up in the treetops 
And there was, I don't know if it was connected to the shadow entities at all, but it was this white silky thing that was kind of slinking through the treetops. I kind of, I've kind of called it over the years, like a living spider web, just with the way it was slinking through the treetops. And it was like, yeah, we definitely needed to go. So I got in the car, she drove up, we, and we met up somewhere else, but that was one of those moments where it's like, all right, that one was pretty creepy. Do you ever feel that you, you've put yourself or in, in a position to be attacked or, or run over by spirit? Um, well, I mean, still mind in that time I did feel, you know, overwhelmed by some sort of energy. I don't, I wasn't putting myself into that. I didn't feel I was putting myself into that situation because we'd never gotten that type of activity there before at that house. It was always pretty mild. Most of the hauntings are by a little girl. Um, and then the, uh, the former home homeowner. So usually there weren't things like that there. Um, so that was a very, very different night when we had that stuff happening at that house. Uh, but the one time was, um, and this is the one case in my years I've been doing this, was that was actually considered demonic. Um, it was featured for the television show The Haunted. The, the episode was Monster in the Closet uh, because the adult daughter of the house kept seeing this red-eyed uh, entity in her closet. Now, the family had been experiencing hauntings there for about 20 years, and they finally just started talking about it uh, you know, when they reached out to us to investigate. A television show makes it look like that uh, you know, they were having all these hauntings, called us up, we investigated the one we investigated there one time that de- we deemed it was a demon, and then boom, we got Carl Johnson out there to cleanse it, which is not really what happened. We investigated there several, several times to try to figure out exactly what was going on in this house. Um, you know, was this spirit, you know, the, the uh, father, the former homeowner who had uh, taken his life there or some of these others, there was some dark history with the house. You know, was it, uh, you know, one of these others who had uh, attempted suicide uh, in the house? It always seemed to be around that somebody taking their, their own life. You know, and why was that? And um, in our investigation, we deemed that it was something else maybe attached to the land that was there before the house was built. So um, we did end up having Carl uh, come and help us with a uh, with a cleansing of that house, which is a big part of what they filmed for that episode. And uh, it got to this one point where you know, we're doing the cleansing. We had asked the family to, to stay outside during this, but uh, the girl, the young woman, had come into the house to use the restroom. And we ended up finding her in the master bedroom, talking at something unseen uh, against the wall. And she's asking questions, you know, like, why are you here? Why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep terrorizing me? Why do you keep terrorizing the cat? Uh, you know, that sort of stuff. And so Carl decided to do a blessing over her. And when she, when he did that, she doubled over like she had just gotten punched in the gut. Um, and you very, you know, decidedly hear her go, ooh, like that. And she falls to the ground. So we get her back up, get her around the bed. She's okay. But when I listen back to my audio afterward, just before you hear her, you know, ooh, get punched in the gut, you hear the word die. Oh my. So somebody was seriously trying to hurt her in that moment. Now, there are other things that suddenly started happening uh, at, at that time that the television show didn't show because they only had so much time to tell the story. Um, the, uh, 
the tri-field meter that we had set up over by uh, her closet in her bedroom, that started going off like crazy. And then the back door to the master bedroom started blowing open and we'd shut it and it'd blow open again and we'd shut it again. It had to deadbolt the thing. Carl ended up doing a blessing over the door. So then um, you know, we finished up in the house. We're pushing this thing out into the backyard. And when we got out into the backyard, um, you know, the wind really started kicking up like crazy. And the cats are running around us in circles, which was really bizarre. And, um, you know, Carl still continuing his blessing, continuing his, continuing his blessing. The wind starts kicking up more and more and more. He finally finishes the blessing, drops to a knee. The wind dies. There's no wind anymore. It's gone. So and Carl's like, it's gone. It's over. Okay. So we get Carl up. He's okay. We go over to the family and tell them, you know, we're done. It's gone. Everything's okay. And then we made mention to them real quick. Well, that wind got really crazy, didn't it? And they looked at us like we're crazy. And they're like, what wind? Now, they're just over in the side yard. This is not a big house. It's not a big yard. They're just over in the side yard. And all that crazy wind that we were experiencing in the backyard, they never felt a lick of that over in the side yard. So wow. really, really bizarre night. But uh, yeah, if there was if there was a time that somebody was going to get hurt, I mean, that I mean, the girl did. Talison, she got she got hurt. She got punched in the gut. And so that was kind of like really the closest that I came to like some sort of significant injury. Cause I was, I was standing like right next to her when that happened. We got five minutes left. I got some quick questions mm-hmm. for you. Has a ghost or a cryptid ever left you a present? Um, not that I recall leaving me a present. No. Um, I mean, we've had some trickster ones where they've taken stuff from us and then returned it later and things like that. Um, but not that uh, just straight out left me something. No. All right. Midwest is asking any plans for more shows on the Alaskan triangle. So we're fingers crossed. Uh, there'll be a season three of the Alaska triangle. Um, the travel channel just recently released a couple of months ago, a podcast version of the television show to kind of, you know, gauge uh, interest. Now they, they keep running it, you know, reruns of it. So, uh, and people keep watching it cause I always hear from people whenever they run it. Uh, so there's that possibility. Now there are other television shows that are running like an episode on the Alaska triangle, uh, that I've been involved with. So you can be on the lookout for those as well. Jules is asking, as an ethical matter, how long do you feel one should wait before investigating a person's demise? Um, a while. You know, you need to respect the family. So, you know, like these people that will immediately try to do a, you know, ghost box session or something in their uh, in their kitchen or their dining room uh, for somebody that just passed away. No, that's totally disrespectful for the family. You got to give it some time. Yeah, I would agree with that. Sometimes years, yeah. decades. Yeah, yeah. Give yeah. us, let people grieve. Yeah, give it, yeah. Give, give us some years, yeah. Agreed. All right, let's move on to a different question here. And let's go to Joe. If you find a portal, is it a good idea to shoot flares into it? <laughs> um, Probably not. You don't know what's on the other side. You know, so if you have um, you know, a, a dry grass on the other side, you, you might start a, you know, or, you know, a forest with a bunch of leaves, you might burn down somebody's home. So, no. All right, let's continue on here. We got a couple more. Uh, let's go to Blue Cruise. Oh, 
Um, that's uh, different. Uh, that one's for Dirty Filth. And let's go to Chad here. Have you ever experienced the hitchhiker effect? Um, good question. So, um, my my kids thought I did one time. Turned out to be my my grandfather. Uh, <laughs> but um, so when when I leave an investigation, there are times where I feel like somebody is, is going to try to follow me out. And in those moments, I just turn around and say, no, you need to stay here. And that usually does it. Uh, but there was one time, it, it's funny. It, it is kind of funny because it was literally during a road trip at a rest stop. And it was like just straight up like a hitchhiker because we're suddenly driving uh, down the road after this rest stop. And it's like, somebody's in the back seat. <laughs> Oh no. So, so we had to ask them to leave us. Like, we don't know where you're coming from or, you know, why you were there or whatever, but you, you can't come with us. So, um, but yeah. Um, so that's happened in that case, ne- but never from a paranormal investigation because I've always told them you need to stay here. Well, that's good. That that's good. You know, we got about 90 seconds to go here mm-hmm. in a show that is absolutely flown on by and and Mike, it's been way too long since we had you on. I will personally take blame for that, but it's always a pleasure to hook up with you, my friend, because when I was getting started with Spaced Out Radio seven and a half years ago, you were one of the good guys who gave me an opportunity to interview you, and and we've always remained good friends of the field since then, and I just love watching your success. Tell our audience all around Radioland and the internet world where they can find your books and everything that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Best place is MikeRickSecker.com. You can find the links to all my books there. You can also check out um, my uh, ConnectedUniversePortal.com online learning site. I've got, uh, that's where I keep my, uh, my blog and all kinds of other classes and courses. Also check out the tours. Uh, so if people are interested in Alaska. We're doing an Alaska cruise next September, but we also have Stargates of Ancient Egypt coming up here in February. So you can find information uh, on that on both of those sites, MikeRickSecker.com and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Right on, buddy. It's been so good to talk with you again. It really has. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dave. Yeah, it's always a great time talking to you. You have some really good questions. I always appreciate that. Well, and you answer them with, with great professionalism too, my man. And uh, I appreciate you and everything that you do for the field. And like I said, I think you're one of the real ones who's doing this for the right reasons. And keep up the amazing work, Mike. It's you too, really Dave. Impressive. Yeah, you, you've been doing some amazing work out here too. So you keep it up as well. Will do. Coming up next, we're going to head to hour number three. The Swamp Dweller will be back with another spooky story. Then little Timmy Senor puts on his UFO tinfoil for... The UFO Report. Yeah, it's a busy hour number three coming up on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. Let's get to it. we got a busy show still ahead. We'll be right back. Always a pleasure, buddy. Great show. All right. Great show. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, thank you, Dave. Yeah, and I know it's been a little while, but I really do appreciate coming back. Anytime so, you always want. Always a good time. Anytime you want to come on, man, you just let me know. Anytime. Right. Sounds good. All right, brother. I'll let you go get some sleep. <laughs> so you have a good night, my friend. You too. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Mike Ricksecker, everybody. One of the real good guys in this field. 
Just one of the real good guys, and uh, I really appreciate him, and I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I'm going to be right back, and uh, we'll get into Swamp Dweller. Hold on. This is for the men who never settle, the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick, the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera, and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and LO1 Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup, rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you.
Hello, everyone. We got one minute to go. Hi, Holly Williams. <coughs> I see little Timmy's Senor in the background. She's looking bald and beautiful. No, I never punched a referee. Never punched a referee. My final game coaching, though, and when I coached junior hockey, I found another coach behind a bench. That was pretty impressive. I got fired shortly after that. Uh, thank you, Donnie, Apollo, Marv, and Christina for the super chats tonight. Evan Walters, you pissed me off tonight for the last time. That's for sure. Uh, thank you to everyone who's given us a thumbs up, thumbs down. All our newbies who have hit subscribe, we're close to 19,200. Here we go with hour number three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for tuning us on in. We've had a good time tonight with Mike Ricksecker talking spookiness, and we're going to get to more spookiness in just a moment with the Swamp Dweller. want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Weird. Weird is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go once again as we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on a spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. This is a story my friend shared with me recently. Apparently this happened to him around last Halloween. I'm a security guard stationed at a gigantic shopping mall with a few other security guards. I went off to my area while the others went to theirs. I started to do my rounds going into shops at around the central part of the mall. It was getting close to Halloween so the mall was relatively packed. Then that's when I noticed the cloaked figure coming towards me smoothly it bumped into me as it passes me. I felt the feeling us security guards never really feel. Fear and evil. I made a call out to it to see if it would respond. Hey, you, stop there, I yelled. Nothing. Nothing in return. It was like it didn't even acknowledge that I was there. So I followed it to see where it was going. It stopped and turned slightly to see if it was being followed. Then it continued going. 
but the pursuit was cut short by an elderly Asian man falling down in a shop as the nice guy I am, I had to go help them. I turned back to where the cloaked figure was, but it wasn't there anymore, like it vanished in thin air. I went to go have my break when I was about to walk through the door, I ran into Rex, my friend. Hey, did you happen to see some sort of cloaked figure walking around? I said. Rex went white and said, Yeah, and this time it was looking at me. We both sat down and never brought up the cloaked figure again. We don't know if it was a person in a costume or a member of some unknown cult, so I ate my lunch and headed back out. Later that afternoon, as it turned into night, the people started to get thin and the shop started to close. When it was dead as a doornail, my night shift began. I hopped on my cart, fired up the belt driver, and started doing my rounds on the bottom floor. It was pitch black only until the spotlight on the cart lit up a bit. The darkness isn't the only thing I should be worrying about. That cloaked figure is probably still around the mall somewhere. Then I heard a sound, like something was laughing. But it wasn't a normal laugh, it was distorted, childlike laughter. It went off in several places around me. It was taunting me like little kids do to adults. But the mall was closed, meaning there was no one here. Who's there? I yelled. The laughing stopped, and the mall fell silent again. Then suddenly there was a loud bang from the second floor that scared me. So I headed to the escalator, went up to the second floor. As I rounded the corner, I noticed the vending machine walking down and saw some black mass next to it. I shone my light on it, and I noticed... It was the rear end of a grizzly bear, a gigantic grizzly bear bigger than any I have ever seen. The thing froze as the light hit it, and it slowly turned to face me. The front of the gigantic creature was that of a bobcat with glowing red eyes and long fangs, and the back was that of a bear. The creature rose on its hind legs, making it about seven to eight feet tall. It held its bobcat paws in the air out to balance its body. I could feel its red eyes looking right into my soul. Who's there? It said in a distorted version of my own voice, letting out a god-awful screech after. I was terrified. I jumped into the cart and sped all the way to the entrance and ran outside. I have never seen this thing since that incident, and I have no idea what it was. But after reading many stories, I believe this has to be some sort of skimwalker. I have no other explanation. I know that you get sent tons of stories like this, and this may be anticlimactic, but I have never heard of an animal that looks like the front half is a bobcat and the last half is a bear. And not only that, but it was overgrown to all hell. Uh, that's why you just don't go wandering in the forest, people. Yep, you don't go in tents. You don't uh, do anything to put yourself in the midst of danger while in the forest. And that's why we got Swamp Dweller to remind us of all of this. Thank you, Swamp Dweller, for another spooky story. He kicks off hour number three of every show, Monday through Friday night. If you want to hear thousands of his stories for free, just go to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads, and you'll be able to hear it right there. All right, it's time once again where we focus in on the UFO aspect of what's going on in the world. Little Timmy Senor returns for the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know.
It's been a, a little bit since we had you on the show. You had a excellent weekend working on out and uh, going out into the into the forests and the clear skies of Oregon, looking for some aliens. Uh, did you find any? That's right. Timmy's excellent adventures. Uh, we actually got fogged out on Friday, which was unfortunate. Um, but we moved inland and had a little more luck. But yep, the adventure continues. Thanks for asking, bud. Yeah. Oh no. Great worries. weekend. Thanks for the time off too. Oh, anytime, buddy. Anytime. And and you know, uh, you know, we Terry Hall did a great job filling in. We did something a little bit different. We actually opened it up to the audience for audience questions for the UFO report. And we had some pretty darn good questions. As you know, our audience in the chat room, they are always very active for us. So we really do appreciate our audience kicking it up for that one as well. But there is some news going on in the UFO world. This one's just over a week old, but we haven't had a chance to, to really tackle it yet. comes from Christopher Sharp at the Liberation Times, and I had a, a great chat with Christopher uh, this past weekend about more UFO hearings coming when we don't know. And apparently whistleblowers are also being called forward. What's going on here? That's right. Great article here coming from Chris Sharp uh, over at Liberation Times, as you said. And so it'll be great to get some of the insight that you had from over the weekend. I'm looking forward to that update. But um, just to hit some of the bullet points that he hits in the beginning of the article, I think it's great to bring to light. And I think we should talk about it. And so I'll just hit those bullet points now, if that's okay. Please do. And so, yeah, moving forward, uh, some insiders have told Liberation Times that new UAP whistleblower language could be signed into law in weeks and after upcoming midterm elections. The second bullet point is that Corbell's comments saying that the silver bullet is coming. And that's a quote. So the third bullet point coming in is once National Defense Authorization Act 2023 becomes law, it's expected that public congressional hearings will take place and whistleblowers will have already been requested to testify. And so coming in on the fourth bullet point, it has also been confirmed by multiple sources that information relating to alleged secretive UAP retrieval and reverse engineering programs has now been verified by Congress, which is massive. And so there is now some urgency from Congress to provide transparency and some insiders hope that any released information can potentially bring people together at a time when the likelihood of nuclear conflict has arisen. And so just before we dive a little deeper, I had a couple questions I'd like to kick to you. Oh, of course. And so we see here a little bit of language that calls for insider hope and perhaps some insider information. And so can we just talk a little bit about some of the sources of Christopher Sharp and yourself and how we can know that we potentially have this coming forward in the next couple of weeks and what some of the language that could possibly even be in there. Well, I think what we're, I mean, the big fantasy right now, I believe, 
Tim, is that whistleblowers are going to be called forward. And we're not talking just Luis Elizondo. We're talking military fighter pilots and, and military people. Don't think for a second, ladies and gentlemen, that this is going to be anything of the public. All right? They are keeping this as military as possible. All right? They want to know what their own insiders say, you know. And, and let's not forget uh, that there are a number of, of Luis Elizondo's within the U.S. government. I'm not saying there's hundreds of them, but there there's probably 10, maybe 20, if not 30. Tim, I, I don't mm. think that's unrealistic, maybe a little right. bit more than that. And those are the people they want to talk to. They want to talk to generals. They want to talk to fighter pilots and military cargo plane pilots of, say, CF-5 Galaxies, or C-5 Galaxies, pardon me, or C-141 Starlifters back in the day, or the C-17s, or the Hercules pilots. You know, they want to talk to uh, naval pilots who've seen things on the ocean. They want to talk to all of these guys who have investigated this. I mean, we know they have gone into and talked with MUFON to grab MUFON's database of interesting stories. So who knows how many police departments are going to be contacted or police officials. You know, there's a lot that's going to happen here. You know, but I, I see them keeping it very militarized. I see them keeping it very uh, industrious within their own community. I do not see them running out to a Calvin Parker or a or a Travis Walton or someone along those lines of civilian level saying what happened to you and why do we need to believe you and why do we need all of this i just don't see that whatsoever you know they are going to press this military industrial complex feeling of the uap threat as far as they possibly can because let's remember in the united states Threats means bigger budgets, whether it's in space or whether it's on the planet. And they're going to want a lot of money for this that starts with the letter B, not M or T, but the letter B in order to investigate this properly. I hope that they come out. But the problem that we're going to have, Tim, is we're going to get morsels of breadcrumbs in any open mic for this. I don't see us getting a lot of juice regarding this. However, behind the scenes, you may see uh, the Wilson Davis documents come out to play. Could Oak Shannon come out and talk about this? Will Eric Davis get get any sort of immunity? Will Admiral Wilson, we know he has been den in denial of this entire uh, fiasco of the Wilson Davis documents because everybody knows he's under NDA. And if we have crash retrievals and he knew about them, we need to talk to him and give him a wave. And I hope it happens, but the question is, will it happen long enough for us in order to have the information come out to us? If you know what I'm saying. And that's what bugs yeah. me about this whole thing. We can have all the whistleblowers we want, Tim. We could have hundreds, thousands. 
but how many of them are going to put their name in the public and say, this is what I saw while flying an SR-71, or this is what I saw going up on a SpaceX rocket. That's the danger. Yeah, you're bringing up a lot of good points there, and I just want to interject here before you get too far away from it. Um, Your point about the Wilson Davis documents, I think that that's great because we're also seeing here in this language that it's been confirmed by multiple sources that information relating to alleged secretive UAP retrieval and reverse engineering programs have now been verified by Congress. And so that is direct dialogue that was in those notes. And so that tells me that somehow more work has been done into looking into the validity and perhaps who knows what else they've discovered within there. So, um, but that language, we're seeing that directly coming. I think that is a direct result of those documents being entered into, you know, the history of Congress. I think you're absolutely right. Um, My question back to you here very quickly would be um, in the wake of Navy's very, um, the Navy's very vocal um, rebuttal that nothing new is going to be coming from them. Do you think that that means that there'll be nothing new presented even to Congress? Or do you think that that was more like a, you know, they're trying to snap down on um, people releasing through non-traditional means, military information, or what is your, you know, in the, in the wake of that Navy response, what do you think is going to happen here? I, I don't like it. I don't like it for the public. I don't like it for you. I don't like it for me. I don't like it for the media, even though they've been a joke this entire time on this subject outside of, you know, and I great, great to my teeth to say this outside of the New York Times and, and that, that Tucker Carlson, who I just want to, <laughs> you know, but do you I think we'll see anything him. new from the Navy? No. Uh, maybe not publicly, no. but do you think that Congress will see anything new from the Navy this year with this new report that is supposedly due in a couple of weeks. Look, the Navy has already stated point blank. We're not getting anything more. They're not. I mean, I don't care what Bob McGuire has to say. Bob and I have argued about this both publicly and, and uh, away from the microphone regarding this. He, he is staunch that, that when the, when the, uh, when the Congress signs the bill, the Navy has no choice, but to answer. Yeah, right. They are going to deflect everything. What are they going to say? We don't have anything for you. We don't have anything for you. Sorry, we don't have what you're looking for. All right? That's all they're going to do. They don't want to play ball. They've already said that publicly. We are out of the UFO game. Why hasn't the Air Force said anything? Why hasn't Congress put put any pressure on the Air Force Army or the Marine Corps or the Coast Guard? To say anything. And do you think that they're priming guys like Avi Loeb and others that are trying to come out and debunk? Do you think they're potentially priming them for some of the further information that's going to be coming out? They'll filter it through him or others like him to debunk it before it even hits the ground? I doubt it. I doubt it. Okay. okay. From what I'm hearing, Avi Loeb is, uh, is, I don't want to say in a power struggle for Galileo Project, but he wants things done his way. And if they're not done his way, you know, things stall out. And right, but we recently saw him take a look at some data that wasn't his and give a very rapid rebuttal. So I was wondering maybe would we see that repeat 
I don't think you know, so. I Task don't. Force has another questionable piece of media. They run it by Avi. Well, I'm just wondering if we'll see a repeat performance. I there. think what we're going to see is we're going to see a big shift of UFO sightings and UFO reports head over to Space Force. That's what I see eventually happening. Okay, the Navy and the Space Force are going to play hand in hand in this entire phenomena. I see more doors getting closed. I hate to sound negative on this, people. Okay, this isn't an Elizondo thing. It's not a Chris Mellon thing. Okay, it's not a Sean Cahill thing. Okay, this is a United States Navy and a U.S. military issue. And I see them all pushing towards moving this topic back under the carpet where they want it. Because when things happen, whether it's crash retrievals, whether it's ET contact or whatever, okay, they want the technology. They want the toys. They don't Mm -hmm. want Tim or Dave or, or our friends in the UK or France or Australia or wherever in this planet. They don't want us to have those toys. Until right. until they say we can have them. And I agree with you 100% there. However, we even see NASA playing their cards in this game, right? Yeah, and but- even recently, I even, I even have a story coming up here. Um, you know, they even seem to have their own um, strategies at UA- UAP investigations and, and potentially looking into uh, material retrieval, right? I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like they may be looking into. And so what does that tell you? And, and how does that circle them potentially in on this new narrative? Well, I'm going to say it this way. If anybody in your Congress actually had the balls in any public hearing to call out NASA the way that they went after uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, that's what we need. We need intense grilling on Bill Nelson and 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 NASA. Okay, if right. I was on that panel, oh, Bill Nelson, I would chew him up and spit him out. Okay, and anybody who who is in this field who is supporting NASA in their quest of try and find the the uh, answers to unidentified aerial phenomena. Okay. They need to quit immediately. You need to go away and go back under your covers and never come out again on this topic because NASA has been lying for decades, lying. Their astronauts have been forced to cover up every launch that NASA has made since Gemini has been followed by UFOs. This isn't a secret. And for Bill Nelson, executive director and former astronaut, to play dumb on this subject continually on a daily basis in the public eye, shame on him. Shame on him. Because he is directly hurting the American and the world public when NASA is supposed to be the leaders of what goes on in space. And shame on Bill Nelson for treating us like fools. Say what you think, Dave. Gee. <laughs> you have a strong opinion on NASA, and, and I, I respect that. And, of course, I'm on the other side of the coin with this, and so I was excited to see them get involved. Um, but quite honestly, um, I'm not surprised at your reaction, but you're going to see I have a report coming out. They may be looking at this in new light and taking it seriously. And I find that really interesting. Tim, 
They've been taking it seriously for 60-plus years, and all they've done is screw the public on this and wash photographs. Tim's got me fired up on the UFO report, but I still love the guy. We're going to continue on with Spaced Out Radio's UFO report right after this. There you go, Thomas. Hold on, let me so zoom in to here. see it. Here you go. The hell is it? The- does look a lot like my new headphones there and everything. <laughs> oh, I get it now. I get it now. Would you look at that? Yeah. Would you look at that? It is very. I do have an action figure. That's right, everyone. I can't quite get that look. He's got it. You, you very need- serious. You know what? You, you need to learn. You know how you can pull this off? You need to get the scowling Greg O'Brien to teach you how to scowl. And then look at the action figure and think of scowling Greg O'Brien. That is That's right. Yeah, you could pull that off. Oh, boy. But, you know, the headphones really do kind of. You got to turn your headphones like this, buddy. Turn them into the back, right? Something like, yeah, now I get it. Yeah. That'll suck. But Thomas loves to bust my chops. Well, would you look at that? Would you look at that? Tim Sleenor slash Lobot. Goddamn NASA. (laughs) You you hid that for me. I didn't see anything about NASA in today's thing. You do that on purpose because you know I'm going to (laughs) flip. Well, it's hidden. Yeah, it, it was like the fourth, the the secret uh, story. I was going to surprise you with the story from Liberation Times, but it was old enough to kind of pull. It gets really hot in here, you guys. I apologize, but I do crack my door occasionally. So I can breathe. Want to see something cool? Show me. I'll show you something cool. We went out <laughs> in the forest yesterday hunting. And okay. we came across this big dude. Uh, you're full screen me, I think. Hold on. Yeah, I am totally. <laughs> Check this out. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's standing there. Okay, there's a dip in the road. I thought he was laying down, Mm -hmm. but he's actually standing. Okay, wow. He was about uh, 900, 1,000 pounds. Oh, yeah. Not to be trifled with. And then in a different area, we saw this little dude right by the road. Wow. Do not get between that little dude and its mom. Yeah, no, the little dude wasn't with his mom anymore. He's he's huh. he's moved on. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um yeah, we saw both of them yesterday. That was nice. The hunters haven't found him or either of them. But yeah. A couple of moose yesterday. The funny part about it is that big bull moose that I showed you first, Mm -hmm. 
You go up, you go up uh, 500 miles above me. He's small. You get up into the Alaskan moose. They're double the size, man. It's more to eat. Mm-hmm. More to carry yeah. out. Right. Fewer hunters potentially, or no, 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 no. They just get bigger. They get bigger. Gotcha. Huh. Interesting. What the hell is a javelina? I'm going to check now. Javelina. the hell is that? Oh, it's like a little mini pig. Oh, okay. Also known as a peccary. Hmm. Oh, okay. There you Yeah. So nobody should leave your show to go and watch this film, but should I... Can I plug it? Which one? The one that you know I saw live tonight. Oh, um... Drum roll. We'll do it in 30 seconds. Later? Yeah. Okay. NASA's all up in the news for me tonight. Fucking NASA. Sorry, buddy. The, my, mm. the rest of my stories are all NASA-y. Thank you, Thomas. Ozzy Rob. <laughs> Sweet Donnie Thomas. Joe. Apollo 11. Paramarv and Christina for the Super Chats. Very much appreciate the love as we encroach on 19,200. Just over 800 away from 20,000 subscribers. Here we go, everyone. Down Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Calming down during the break. Thank you to Tim Senor for firing me up with NASA crap on UFOs. Oh. oh, so hard. So hard. Anyways, if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. With the UFO report continuing, Tim Senor is here. You saw a movie this weekend. What was it all about? That's right. The new release actually today or tonight, perhaps for some people, uh, the new release of the of Virginia Brazil case, an investigative journalist and filmmaker James Fox brings us moment of contact. And so I must tell you, absolutely riveting and well done. And he takes kind of a different look at this case and perhaps goes at it as an investigator and literally does some uh, kind of on the fly um, interviews and investigative work to get to some really great witnesses and information that super compelling 
and he corroborates a lot of the information that was out there. Now, who knows how much of it was out in the public eye, and um, you know, we just don't know. But um, this is an extremely compelling documentary. I recommend everyone to go check it out. Really well done. Tell us the intriguing parts of this. You want me to give away all the deets? Just, well, just a what, I, what I would say was the most compelling were that all of the new witnesses that came forward that he discovered all described the same um, descriptions of the creature that they came in contact with. So he, he gets down and actually meets some of the people that came in contact with the creature that moved the creature, some of the drivers of the military units, um, and gets back to the original family that discovered the creature running in their neighborhood and all along the board, everyone that came in contact with it describes the same thing. And I don't want to give away what they're describing so much, but they're, it absolutely corroborates the details. And it, it makes it so compelling that this really took place. Uh, the descriptions all lined up for the description of the craft, how it, cra- how it crashed, where it crashed, and what happened to it. Um, and James does this in a very interesting way, chronologically, fi- you know, looking at what the sequence of events were and corroborating every step of the event from beginning to end. Um, and it's just, it's a different take and a different kind of James Fox filmmaking. So um, I found it very interesting, very compelling, and um, it made it feel much more like a significant case as big as Roswell. But I would say with far more living witnesses. And, and, you know, he has the crash site. He hasn't even done an investigation of the crash site yet. Hopefully someone does. So... Amazing. Yeah, this is one that I'm actually looking forward to seeing. You know, James Fox does some incredible work, and uh, he his work is really second to none when it comes to, you know, branching out and making sure that his information is top-notch in any of his videos. And uh, that is something that I am looking forward to. Hopefully this weekend I'll get a, an opportunity. You'll, I'm going to leave it up to you to remind me of uh, watching Point of Contact this weekend. Moment of Contact. Moment of Contact. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Whatever it's called. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great film, and it'll change some minds, at least on this case. Is that on Netflix, Amazon Prime? You can grab it on Apple and Vudu. Okay. Definitely will. Definitely, definitely will. And, you know, James is, uh, like I said, he's one of the premier faces when it comes to high-quality UFO documentaries. And I know he was very passionate about this exact one. So good on him for finally getting it out there. All right. Yeah. NASA brings standards of evidence to the search for UFOs via University of Rochester. Let's get to the stupidity. No, no, quite the opposite. In fact, this one hits close to home for me in particular because that's where I grew up in Rochester, New York. And so I have family that not only went there, but taught there. And so some of the people named in this article are actually within my circle of work group people right now. So 
um, I can at least vouch for one name in this article. And I just found it very compelling that NASA is reaching out to scientists and people that are in the know to get into this topic and try and come up with a ways, means, and some standards on how to record and look for UAP. And that's really what this whole new article that I'm going to cover here is about. NASA brings standards of evidence to the search for UFOs via UFOs. I'm sorry, via the University of Rochester. And so UFOs and UAPs have long interested science fiction fans, screenwriters, and conspiracy theorists, and yes, scientists. But now there's a new player in town, and it's a game changer, NASA, right? And so I know that Dave's not thrilled about this, but the rest of the country might be, because although extraterrestrial intelligence is kind of up in the air right now, Adam Frank, um, and Fred H. Gowan, Professor Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L01 Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup, rated number one for reliability, and Z Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you. Dale un toque de otoño a tu closet con JCPenney. Con hasta 40% de descuento en suéteres, jeans y accesorios para él y ella. Y espera, porque tenemos más estilos y opciones para ti. Encuentra jeans acampanados, el clásico pantalón negro, abrigos y blazers. Mezcla y combina nuestras versátiles marcas como St. John's Bay, Mutual Weave, A&A y más. Compra con estilo JCPenney. Oferta válida hasta el 25 de octubre en selección de estilos. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com. 